Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 10, titled The Bicameral Mind. It all comes back to the bicameral mind uh, in the season finale. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of it? I, about 30 to 35 minutes in, was really dreading this podcast because I'm like, man, this this is going in directions I don't know about and I'm kind of... All the stuff about the William and MIB stuff is is for people immersed in the Westworld lore and speculation is is really review an old hat. But honestly, by the time the show wrapped up, I was really amazed at how well everything came together and super excited for season two. That's the word I was going to use. Amazing. Uh, I, I actually I was amazed by how well they towed the line between answering enough questions and leaving enough loose ends for season two to be interesting. And I think they did that brilliantly. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's almost like the answers we got and that we are expecting are almost irrelevant in light of the new world we live in. I mean, I was <laughs> uh-huh. thinking the reveal would be, Oh, uh, you know, they've inserted, um, a res, a resurrected Elsie into the management system or they kill off a ca- uh, yeah, the hail and sir. I was too, thinking yeah. so small compared to what they actually pulled off. You were the Lee. You yeah. were the Lee thinking about blackmail. I was when Charlotte's got something else on her mind. I I I, I totally was, <laughs> and I thought the way they handled, uh, especially like some some personal delights were like uh, Ed Harris's, um, you know, William, aged William's delighted face at the robots starting their resistance to humanity mirrored uh-huh. in the uh, face of Simon. I don't know what his name is in Westworld, but the the, the bowler hat wearing thug that's oh, also right. starring in the, yeah. in the Walking Dead right now. His his like face lighting up in almost the exact same way. Like I, I just thought it was really amazing. And the continuing contrast between what's going on with Dolores and what's going on with Maeve and, and maybe the, what – what Maeve decides to do at the end is like her first authentic choice that she's ever made. Like all that Mm -hmm. stuff was just super fucking cool and, and took me by surprise. Yeah. But some dark moments in the Aaron Hubbard, uh, living room as that guy started jacking off with Hector. I'm like, what am I even watching? What is this? Yeah. That was the Nadir where I'm like, Oh man, this, this is starting to turn into a shit show, but it it pulled out, (laughs) pulled out of the nosedive. Yeah. I'm, there are a couple of quibbles I have with this, and honestly, one of them is pretty fucking major. But mm. it, it didn't, it did not enjoy, or it did not ruin my enjoyment of the finale. I thought, as, as far as this first season goes, it put a, a really impressive capper on it, and and opened the doors, the possibilities of season two. Oh at yeah, the same time. So. And I know a lot of people are just now judging from my f- uh, feedback, uh, learning because I guess they haven't listened to the very end of all of our email discussion but they're just now learning that westworld's not coming back till 2018 right i got a lot of like what the fuck yeah. uh, 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 links to this interview with joy and nolan but honestly i read the interview on variety and i was excited because they're like hell yeah we're gonna go away for a while because this is a very complicated story and what we learned in season one is it can't be rushed and it's got to be yeah really thought through and you know and they even said, like, television isn't the same. You don't have to have, like, a year-on-year release schedule. It's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. I mean, those are the kind of, like, key insights and 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 creative control that I expect from a show like HBO. And, I mean, yeah. like, there's just so many, like, just seeing Dolores and, and as a robot 
Uh, that was awesome. So fucking awesome. The the final scene of her and Teddy, not the final scene, but Teddy cradling her on the beach and the moon, and, and then the reveal of that being this artificial set. Like all this mm-hmm. stuff was just just so beautiful and artfully done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't even be mad at it, even when occasionally it does some silly stuff, like having sure. a dude jerk off in a glass box under pain of being fired. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of and there plus a lot of crowd pleasing moments. Yeah, Robo Dolores. Like right off the bat, I was like, "Yes, this is so fucking." Cool. I, I think I think the 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 thing that I love the most. It, mm-hmm. There's there's two two things I love the most. N- number one, Hector and Armistice discovering oh. the joys of modern firearms. Yep. Yep. The other one is Felix entertaining the idea that he's a host by attempting <laughs> to do a robot. Yeah, like it's amazing. Just the physical the, the physical comedy of this guy, like it it's almost like the whole season of his buffoonery and jackassery uh-huh. led up to that one moment and it was so sublime. <laughs> and then Maeve And Maeve's just, reaction to it is priceless as well, yeah. I just love how he gets a mid robot. Like, is this what I'm God, it's so As funny. if that's gonna prove something to him, right? Like, who like, thought I mean, I wanna know who thought, like, if that's something that came up in film because I it in an episode that really wasn't generating a lot of laughs, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I, I just lost it. So yeah. so good. It was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got a full four pages of recap here, so we should probably I get got into six. It. This oh, is like how a new... you don't even have an outline. Like <laughs> you don't even have to describe the scenes. I man. know. I know. I just got so much, so much, and it's a ninety-minute episode. It was just pretty it much was. Uh, other than. Some recappy feeling things with William and in, in the in the Man in Black storyline. Uh, there's just a lot of dense stuff, and yeah. I have a feeling that uh, I watched this episode three times, mm-hmm. and I still still feel like there's some dialogue with Ford that I could use a little bit more unpacking to know exactly what it means and exactly what he was trying to do there. Okay, well, let's get into it. Let's. So we start off with Robo Dolores waking up for the first time, and Bernard welcoming her to the world. Then she flashes back to the future where she's shaving the man in black. They're, they talk for a while about Arnold, and it makes her head off in a direction that the man in black follows. Uh, like I said earlier, this was just the coolest looking like endoskeleton thing that I've seen. I don't know what I was expecting because I've I've seen Robert's child version's face, but the yeah. the all obsidian. It reminded me a lot of. Do you remember playing Magic the Gathering during the Lara block, and they had those like ether filigree d- dudes uh, okay replay. yeah it, it reminded me a lot of just how i was surprised at the the art of yeah. the robot like it's like when the man in black says i cut one of you open and used to be beautiful like mm-hmm. yeah that's totally totally I, I thought it was just amazing and yeah and the like like they zoom in on on um uh, you know Dolores's face, and you can kind of see like them stretching her neck, like in the place, and it just yeah. looked utterly convincing. Uh, yeah, I was I was totally convinced by it. And then you know she sits up, and you get to see her move around as that, and it's a really good effect. Super super smooth looking. I was very impressed. And while she's on the table, she's kind of narrating here. I feel like the initial experience of fucking one of those robots would be like fucking a binder clip, though. You think so? Like, like I don't know what you yeah. you know like that that did look the the junction there looked a little scary. I don't know how you gussy that up with <laughs> even with the soft the parts on it. I, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so she's like kind of narrating this whole thing, and her words are, "I'm in a dream. I do not know when it began or whose dream it was. I know only that I slept a long time and that one day I awoke, which I think we've heard before in the show. Uh, it will not be the last time we hear it. We hear it later on in this episode." 
and and you really get the feeling that this is kind of describing the dawn of consciousness, right? Yeah, or what the experience of a re, a newly conscious being on being right. turned on. Like that's yep. what 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 Adam must have thought when he awoken from the pile of dust. Exactly, and and it's a pretty good bookend for this episode. Sure. Why the shaving the man in black? I uh, thought that was a seem gratuitous from where we or not gratuitous but like a weird thing to come back to them from from where we mm-hmm. left them i mean my thought is like i don't know did, did did william know that i've got a party to attend and i need to catch up with dolores so have I don't her shave he me. knew that yet uh, i mean he's a board member they were all invited i feel like he probably unless he just hasn't been reading his his email for the last few weeks he probably got notice of the gala celebration yeah. I just that I just literally yeah, can't think true. of any other scenario in which he would just at the at the at the such such a so close to his prize he'd just slow things down and, and have her shave. And I I mean if they just wanted a cool visual, mm-hmm. fine. And like how totally in, in control he thought he still was in a situation, that's right. fine too. But I I thought it was an odd creative choice. Huh. Okay. Let's go over to Logan and William. William's got Logan in tow behind his horse. And he rides over to the woods where Elazo is hiding out. The woods, the I don't know. There were trees there. It's the desert, but there were trees. Sure, you got, you got trees in the outskirts of the desert, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and and you know he he I don't know how he knew where to find him. Uh huh. Because he's just kind of in a random spot in the countryside here, right. but he does apparently. They're blood brothers, right? They have some psychic connection. Then Teddy arrives in Sweetwater in a scene that we've seen fairly uh, fairly often a few yeah, times here. I, and I love the going right back to the player piano, the, yep. the that whole motif, and just it's it's just another day for him until it's not. Yep. And then he stops in his tracks as he kind of flashes back here to everyone dead in the streets, and Dolores is over by the train looking very serious, and then he's he's jolted out of it by you know this guy who bumps into him every time he goes into town this time he doesn't take any shit and he shoots the guy down in the streets and then hops on the train (laughs) yeah james martin has completely changed how i see him as an actor at this point and i kind of hope he does like six seven westerns because (laughs) man does he look good fan firing a pistol yeah like I, yeah, he's good at it. Seriously, like I think one of the consequences of Westworld is we might get a re revitalization of the of the Western genre. We could because there's some like you know uh, the cyber Western. I, I think Unforgiven brought that back a little bit, and we've had mm-hmm. probably in 20 years a dozen uh, notable contemporary westerns yeah. where there'd been a drought before. But I kind of feel like it's ready for a resurgence. There's a lot of stories still to tell there. Sure. Uh, other thing, what's up with the fucking wolf? I don't know. There are no wolves in the desert, as far as I'm aware. I'm the only thing that that may. Well, I mean, in the West, sure, there's wolf. There's there's wolves out 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 west, but in the yeah, but they're not really in the desert. It doesn't it like, feel like Westworld is a little bit of a pastiche of like the plains and the des like anything that you can think of in a Western setting. It's like the plains of Texas. It's sure. the deserts of New Mexico. It's everything all mashed together. Absolutely. But the wolf, I just. Is it possible they just threw that in as a as a nod to Game of Thrones? They're kind of contemporary. <laughs> That's a real dumb reason to do it, but potentially. I think it's just Lee. Lee just it was like, fuck it, man. I'm putting a wolf in here. Uh, that, that's a, They've that's, seen that the horror of That's placeholder content that Ford forgot to delete. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, this is Lee shit. I need to delete, but he got busy. Yep. 
Yep. All right. That 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 sounds that sounds fun. The touch that I do love though is the people freaking out. Like they have think about it. They are they paid their forty thousand bucks. They're yeah. going to Westworld for a week. They're like, this is gonna be fucking awesome. We're gonna get to do whatever we want. They step off the train. And a man gets shot right in front Instantly. of him, and they freak the fuck out, and they get back on the train and leave. <laughs> it was amazing seeing those people running for the train. Yeah, forty grand. Ain't we worth should it. not have come here. <laughs> uh. Uh, then we flash back and forth between time periods while Dolores digs at her own grave to find this wood maze carving, and she has to ask Arnold what it means. And he explains the evolution of consciousness to her and says that they can't open the park. Uh, they have to tell Ford she's alive. And once he does, Ford wants to roll her back. But Arnold can't do it. And he tells her, you have to kill all the other hosts to prevent Ford from opening the park. The man in black, going back to the future here, is pissed that he's not getting answers about the maze. And he wallops her. And she flashes back to a massacre. Then the man in black says he hates winning if the losers can't win. And Dolores says, I found someone who loves me, and he's coming back here to kill you, All essentially. Right. A lot of ground recovery. A lot here. of stuff, yeah. I'm, it's it's just weird, weird setup here. I thought there's a lot of touches here that I, th- I thought were interesting. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but all of the the uh, um, grave markers in the um, Escalante graveyard had these little bells mounted to them. And those hmm. are actually, like, people used to be afraid of being buried alive. And you could, for extra money, have this little bell with a little cable that went down into the coffin. And the thought was, if you woke up, you know, after you've been buried, you could ring it and people would dig you up. Every single one of the grave markers had that little flourish on it, which I thought was interesting. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, uh, There's a listener feedback that actually makes a point where that's actually really appropriate given this world where... The robots don't really die; they go to storage, and they're yeah. w- waiting for a resurrection. I thought that was a, a nice little touch. Also, I did some research in his Pigs and Clover, which was on the cover of the game. Right? Apparently, that's just the generic name for this kind of game. Pigs really? and Clover, like the little ma- the little maze of the marble. They that's called Pigs and Clover. Okay. So I, I mean, it's also like I've a... never heard of it called that before. But that's that's that there is no significance other than that's that's the the that's like monopoly. I know? thought it was a way also of saying like that something is extremely enjoyable or sure. someone is very happy because that's a colloquial term. You're right. happy as a pig in clover. Yeah. I don't know what it means in that context. I guess pigs love clover. They do. They love it. Uh, it smells good. I mean, sure. and they smell so bad that anytime they can get in clover, <laughs> they love it. Uh. So there's a lot of discussion here between Arnold well, let's, and Dolores. Let's, let's talk about the the pyramid first. Okay, Did you the bicameral th- pyramid. Yeah. So it's interesting. I compare and contrast Arnold's pyramid with Ford's, and Ford's yeah. had a one level on top of it, which was self-interest. Okay. Well, actually, I don't know what it is. That's it's it was labeled S dot I. He never actually says what it is. He's got memory and then improvisation, and above that was S I. Yeah. Um, people surmise that it means self-interest, and that's the missing feedback. That like, if you don't have your own best interest in heart, or even that as a concept, then you know you won't make this, this suffering will be kind of in vain. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and Bernard when he draws it, or Bernard Arnold when he draws it is his is conspicuously missing the top letter, right? right. Like as if he doesn't know what it is. His essentially right. his drawing is uh, memory. What is, what is the I? Improvisation, 
question mark prophet. Like, right, right, right. He doesn't question mark consciousness. He doesn't really know. He's got the bicameral mind figured out, but he hasn't exactly labeled it yet. And I also like yeah. that he realizes the consciousness isn't a mountain or a pinnacle that you achieve. It's a mm-hmm. it's a journey inward. Yeah. And then when you started drawing the concentric circles, like I that was a real eye-opener and at this point i started realizing that all the theories about a flood coming to destroy the town or like a physical maze like yeah none of that i mean happened. not that those weren't cool ideas but i actually was really satisfied that the maze was and what it meant by it's not for you is literally it's not meant for you this yeah. is a journey for consciousness you've already taken this journey yeah you were you were you were born you, it was your inheritance sure uh they also um and one of the big things here is that he realized that she needed her own voice and not his right um to lead her down through the maze essentially um and it seems like the awareness is what's at the end of that maze mm-hmm. the awareness that it is in fact your own voice right i the one thing i guess i was surprised and i don't know how it sits with me it was the realization that cuz last week i started thinking of like if, in in the terms of this story being an, an, at least in part a grand love story like mm-hmm. the links of what a person would do to find their true love. I, that is completely missing from this this episode. Like the man sure. in black is angry that he doesn't get what he wants, which is this deeper level of game. Now, yeah. interestingly, him and Ford are kind of working for the same thing, but for different purposes. Right. It's revealed. Um, but I was actually shocked at how... Uh, you know, swift and brutal and casualty, casual the cruelty towards Dolores was. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, I guess he, you're going to find out, talk, um, has talked himself into the fact that Dolores wasn't anything special. Uh, yeah. And, and it and makes, he it makes duped. a lot of sense. So I was prepared to, to dislike that part. Um, huh. so, uh, dislike the, the idea that, you know, he would say, well, the moment I realized they were alive was when I killed Maeve uh, because he had already realized that Dolores was alive. But then he has a moment that kind of proves the opposite to him, right. which did a lot to assuage my problems okay. with it. It does set it back, but on the other hand, why? So so he's only wanting the, the robots to fight back. He thinks Arnold had a thing where the, the, the robots could actually fight back with like a real ferocity. Mm-hmm. But it had nothing to do with him them being conscious, right? Um, it was I, just giving them the the ability to win. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he finds Dolores and instantly thinks that she's like like he's like, oh, I guess Logan was right about these all the time, rather than thinking, oh my god, they found her and fixed her and repaired. Like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. just a little I'm a little too in love with my own theory, but I was surprised that he I mean it, it probably didn't instantly happen. Like he ma- made mention of the fact that like, you know, William didn't give you up right away, but over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um maybe that a lot in that yada yada there's a lot of like soul searching and pain and they, I wish I could have seen more of that though because as it stands, the transition from William being the nice guy that's like got his heart in the right place to cold-hearted villain seemed rather abrupt. I mean, I get uh, it, 30 it, years. It did. I, I agree with that. Character development happening in like a single single reveal, but right, but somehow I don't know. It it changed his entire outlook on not just how to play this game, like he says, he realized this was all a game, but on life in general and it it kind of surprised me. Well, the only thing I can think of is 
like all, how all these, and maybe this is something that will be explored in the, the new season. Cause I don't, I, I don't know that Ed Harris is going to go anywhere necessarily. Not sure. Yeah. Um, whether anyone survives this massacre or not, but assuming he does, there's still a lot of room to tell the story of, you see this guy, he's, he finds Dolores and she doesn't remember him. And he's, and, but, and he, and then let's, let's say he tries for several years to rekindle the conditions that, that, that brought her to be conscious or special in some way. All the while, his real flesh and blood family never feels this connection with him. And then right. his wife commits suicide because she realizes he's married to the park instead of her. And then, you know, that's when the bitterness and the real anger kind of sets in that he's essentially pursued in this park something that he had in the real i mean i i i and and he's like pot committed at this point like yeah his whole life now is this park yeah and and it's forever altered his life in the real world so now the only thing he's got is to go back in and figure it all out and there's a sketch of there of like how this person got so embittered and whatnot that I, i i hope they explore in further seasons but i guess there's enough of a sketch that I could kind of square those those uh, or round those squared corners off a bit. Yeah, yeah, I I do agree though. Mostly that you know it was a bit abrupt with him going from like you know uh, Dolores being taken from him and then him just murdering a whole town of or a whole camp of soldiers like that. That was surprising. But he had it like, was a swift yeah about sure, face sure. sure. Uh, uh, the other thing. What do you make of the fact that I guess the one thing that doesn't track or the one thing that I feel is a bit inelegant is remember this whole maze thing started with him scalping Kissy. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck is that thing engraved on the inside of his skull cap if it's not a physical place, if it's just an inward thing? Like, that was a really neat, like, hook for the mystery, but it really feels out of like. It's one thing for the robots themselves as they're doing reveries and as they're groping with this barely perceptible thing to, like, have this maze motif that they carve obsessively. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, that makes sense. Like, they would put that. They don't understand it. It's part of kind of, like, their the mythology they're programmed with and they're grappling. But what the fuck is it actually doing inside a robot scalp? That – I would love to hear someone explain that to me because, as it is, that makes really no sense at all. Yeah, it feels more like it's just there for the audience. Yeah, sake. it goes back to, like, are all the robots like that? Is it just Kissy? How yeah. did that like, – like, I have so many questions about that one thing. And it might be – um you know, I, I think a lot of people chalk up too much stuff to the shutdown because, like, I know I did myself. Like, when people are like, hey, you got this old logo, new logo. I'm like, well, they fucking shut production down and, you know, for, for almost a year while they're retooling things. And, like, some things got lost oh, in translation. Yeah, yeah. That stuff all seemed to be intentional. Maybe the sc- the scalp was something that they were going to do something with and then they decided to abandon it as they decided how to round the season into shape. I, I don't know because that's, that's the one thing that I, I have no clue how to – reconcile with my <laughs> understanding of the maze as it is now right uh, i do like this idea though that you know as you said before arnold realized it was an inward journey not not this external thing um and that and that every choice you made could potentially send you to madness now that ties in really well with what we've been seeing in previous episodes where you know some robots some hosts have the capacity to deal 
with these changes and sure. deal with these choices that they're making and where it's leading them. Others don't. Mm-hmm. Others like Peter Abernathy just kind of shut down and go insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw that in the church, right? Like all of those people sure. don't know how to deal with this this new ability they have or these new things that they're experiencing. And I wonder how much of that's echoed in, in Angela's little band. You've got Angela. It seems like she's rational, but she's surrounded by right. crazy cannibals that are just groping around eating things and yeah. you know wearing crazy animal skins. Like how much of that is... You know, and I'm sure they'll explore that because it looked like a lot of that Wyatt's band of merry men were interspersed throughout the the invasion of the the, the naked robots from hell to right. the end. Yeah, and it, it really gives you a sense of you know Ford having taken all of this time to try and get them to make the right decisions. That, yeah. So that so that some of them will not just end up mad, but they'll actually end up enlightened. And I wonder. I'd, I'd, I'd also. I'd also love to see more of, like, did Ford wait right now because the time is right? Did Ford do this now because he's at the end of his life? Like, why? Right. Or the why? end of his career, and he knows it? Like, r- r- Yeah, like, he's pushed the board as far as he can, and he knows now or never. Right. I also think I've got a pet theory that there is one fatal flaw to his plan, which is going to probably echo through the next, the next few seasons. Because in my okay. analysis... I don't know that Dolores made an authentic choice with all the information available to her. Okay. So he's repeated the same mistake that Arthur did, or not Arthur, Arthur. Arnold did, just that one one more remove. Okay, we'll, we'll, we should talk about that at the end, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about a lot of that stuff. Uh, so we go back to William and Elazo, who just spy a bunch of troops over a hill, and he gets Elazo to promise to help him. Uh, scene over. Then we, we meet with uh, Charlotte and Lee, and Lee is really a proud of his accomplishments with Abernathy's husk. And he demands full creative control of the park once Ford is gone. Charlotte agrees as long as he can get the info out of the park. And th- there are a couple lines here that are interesting to me. Okay. Um, Lee says something about, oh, yeah, the, the, I know what you're doing. It's blackmail. He thinks he's going to take all this this recorded data out of the park and use it to blackmail rich and powerful people. She says he's thinking way too small. Uh, what do you make of that? Any ideas on what they could do with all of this information that would be bigger than blackmailing the richest and most powerful people on the planet? I've got sketches of stuff that we've been talking about the whole this this whole time. The fact that uh, you know you go back to the Dallas Incorporated website and the disclaimer: the fact that they own all of the genetic material that you leave behind. Right. Uh, combined with like the sequel to Westworld, the movie, which involves using sophisticated robots to replace politicians. Uh-huh. I wonder if their big plan was to actually use this technology to do just that. Yeah, it feels like that's the right option because I, I was trying to think Cause of, what else is like bigger? opening new parks. Well, it seems like they've that's, already done that. And that's not that's not thinking bigger. Uh, that's going vertical uh, with the market. That's yes, that's not I, thinking big. Yeah, and they've already done it. I mean, the samurai world is clearly a thing. Sure. And what would uh, that? And and what? Why would that have anything to do with sneaking the data out? I guess. I yeah. I, 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 well, if this was right, if this was the only park and Ford was mm-hmm. unwilling to franchise it or whatever, then maybe. Right. But also like military applications. But I don't think people in 2052, which is I guess when this takes place would be a valuable resource militarily. I think maybe the AI could be. Right. But certainly infantry is not where the military is going. Right. 
Well, you're right. I mean, there's certainly a lot of applications for artificial intelligence of this sophistication, and I wish we knew outside the world, like, what is state-of-the-art. Right. Because, yeah. you know, like, if you could just automate, like, all of the service positions, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, destroy, you'd destroy a lot of labor. Um, and I was hoping that Maeve would get out of Westworld so that we could see the outside. Right. Uh, but at the end, she turns back. She doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, keep in mind that Lee is super, uh, super proud of his accomplishments here, because mm-hmm. because that gets t- twisted up on him mm-hmm. again, once again at the end. Uh, so Sylvester makes a new copy of Maeve from scratch. Maeve, which just, in retrospect, that's obviously why she set themselves on fire to get like full reboot to have because you can't like couple gunshots or you get decapitated. Like if you burn, get burnt alive, that that body is used up enough that they'd have to do a full rebuild. So let me ask you this. Does, when they do the full rebuild, I guess they don't build the control mechanisms back into her? Seems like. wouldn't they have, like, a, a template that they build made from yeah, that wouldn't include the changes she made? Yeah, but he conspicuously said, like, switched out a vertebra, which we know that, like, at the C6 oh, vertebra, that's, that's why he where... he was so nervous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, I, I, I don't yeah, exactly yeah. spell out, but they, they they've gave us enough information to know that he was doing some some some, you know off-the-record swapping out of gotcha. her component, anyway. Makes sense. Now, I doubt that she did the same for Hector mm-hmm. and she didn't. It looked, Yeah, it looked like Hector couldn't get in like that he elevator. had a physical like, reaction yeah. to it, which makes me wonder why it was so important for her to get his consent to go along. Like She's like, I could order you, but I don't want to. And in mm-hmm. the end, she still has them as puppets. So right. that's a little inconsistency of her character. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, means and also, an end, I guess. why did Hector like Hector didn't seem like he was mad at all? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He he knows the score. Yeah, Hector maybe. knows what's up. Sure. Uh, so Maeve makes some changes to the security system, uh, I, and also to Hector and our Armistice, and how anyone anyone in this group has access to the security systems is beyond me. I I don't. I don't know what kind of fucking security crew they've got here, but they are shit. Well, I top wanna, to bottom. Okay, I want terrible. I, a lot of feedback was <laughs> aimed at that, but as I was watching the episode, I remember Ford using the fiasco about Clem right. to say the words, "I can automate most uh-huh. of the security functions of the park." Sure, and I I wonder. To what extent that was like? I, I wonder how many of these security personnel are are robots, mm-hmm. and also to what extent they're following a narrative. Yes, that, that's, that is that, the one thing. And I think that, like, to me, since he said he was doing it, and then we see all this in inco- what what seems like gross incompetence. I don't know how they would spell that out to the viewer to make it more obvious. But I, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, these guys have to. And also, he cleverly got Stubbs out of the way. Right. So now you got the B crew that's that's kind of doing it. He also locked all of the what I assume is humans in the control room, mm-hmm. so they're quote unquote safe. So I, that whole massacre could be nothing but robot on robot violence. Sure. I hope because otherwise, holy shit, you're right. Yeah, and, and there are some things that are just pure incompetence. I mean, like when when the security lockdown happens, the person at QA, QA is like, "What the fuck? Like." Right. What is what is happening here? Really, you haven't gamed this thing out ever. You've yeah. never had a fucking security drill. Well, but to be fair, <laughs> in QA, how well would the Kings Island security staff deal with like an armed terrorist? You know, like like 
Okay, King's Island is not <laughs> something that has top secret or or super sophisticated, essentially weapons. Once they go off, uh-huh. uh, on the premises, like if the roller coasters could come alive and start killing people, <laughs> I think they? they would drill that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to give them as much suspension of disbelief as I can, and also. Right. The other thing is you got to realize that these robots are killing machines compared to humans. Like when they have their reflexes sure. yeah. and their pain tolerance down and their aggression up, like I I think it's roughly like trying to take out Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. Oh, yeah. Like they're not going to go down with a single gunshot wound or – because a lot of people I, – I, I understood that like especially Armistice took several bullets. Uh-huh. She just didn't stop coming. Yeah, because uh, I think it's in this scene here that – uh, Mave alters their right. their ability. She, bumps she puts like, pain all the way sensitivity up. The down. Pain sensitivity goes all the way down. Mortality response down. Right. right. So, so they're essentially all... unkillable, unfeeling. Yeah. Cyborg. Right. I mean, you can put them down, but you're going to have to put shots through their brain or yeah. you know, treat them like essentially very quick, uh, accurate fire zombies. I'm not actually sure what kind of security lockdown doesn't include shutting down elevators and trains out of the park. But that's just me, I guess. Well, but that's... I think Maeve missed the very last train out of Westworld. I think that was... You're supposed to understand at the end of the episode when she turns around and all the lights go off. Like, that literally was her only chance. She could have gotten to the outside. But... And and also, she's she's fucking with security settings. I mean, like, she could be canceling a lot of those automated responses. Who knows? Plus, Ford's Hmm. got it all scripted. Come yeah. on, baby. He's got it all scripted. I don't know. He's it's, automated security. It's all a little a little too fucky for me. <laughs> but, right. you know, small complaints in an overall great episode. Uh, so Charlotte visits Ford in his office to tell him oh, that... Oh, and, and be, by the way, speaking of fantastic visuals, Maeve coming out of that fucking milk. Yeah. Like, that, cool. was su- that was super cool. I don't know even how they did it, like whether that was like cornstarch and... I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the way that... That liquid, like, beaded off of it as it was coming out of the pool. Like, I, I just thought it was really super cool. Yeah. I did, too. Uh, so Charlotte visits Ford in his office to tell him that she wants him to retire after this narrative is launched. And you get a, a pretty good, a pretty knowing scene here, performance from Anthony Hopkins. I love it. Can, I also, I was watching, I thought Anthony Hopkins looked particularly well put together here. His uh-huh. hair was just so, and I... At 78 years old, I hope I'm as sharp as this guy because yeah. whole, he hasn't lost a goddamn step. No. He is as sharp as he was when he rolled off the factory floor. And I, it's getting to enjoy this performance as a whole and seeing as probably this is like a one and done thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, I, I mean, would you put this role up with any of his other great roles yeah. that he's had? I think so. I think he would. And too. it's an amazing character, I think. Yeah. Especially with all the multiple reveals uh, like Mm -hmm. the progressive understanding where we weren't quite sure and then we knew he was the villain and then now it seems like he's the savior right and like he's got the chops to pull all that stuff off yeah uh i just like yeah it makes me wonder who the fuck do you replace him with in season two to to make as compelling of a character i know you don't have to make another ford right but you got to make somebody as compelling or as as able to draw us in as audience members i i'm at a loss yeah i mean you can't recast another Anthony Hopkins, but can you? I mean, there's lots of really fantastic actors out in the world. Yeah. Um, I, but but the character also is going to have to be really strong because right. 
I don't, I don't like even if Charlotte, even if the woman playing Charlotte was an amazing actor, I don't think that character is good enough to draw right. you in the same way. Sure, sure. So, it, you know, it's it's kind of a dual thing. Yeah. Then there's lots of ways they could keep Ford around as a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, there is still a bot being manufactured in his lab. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to bring Anthony Hopkins back because that would be silly. Like, you know, for all the reasons we've already talked about. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, on his way out of the the company. Yeah. Anyway. And he's on out his of way out of the acting game in real life. Like, sure. You know, either naturally on, or... Re- on all levels, he is on his way out. Yeah. But you could take... Like, there's no reason... Just because he made Bernard look like Arnold, that was right. a purely arbitrary decision. Maybe a foolish one in retrospect. Uh <laughs> That he made, like you could, you could keep Doctor Ford's consciousness around or his essential character and completely recast it. Yeah, like imagine like a Ralph Fiennes. Right. I, I think that's that's what I kept thinking. Like, imagine what Ralph Fiennes would do intentionally, like like doing a um, Ewan McGregor doing a impression of Alec McGinnis doing Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> like sometimes you'd see that and like, wow, that's really fucking right. good. Like I think yeah. like a Ralph Fiennes could do a. A Anthony Hopkins impression, but still make it his own if they wanted to go that route. Sure. Or if like, Dr. Ford could be a woman next season. Like, if, if they right. want to keep that fantastic character around, there's lots of tools at their disposal in this universe to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I with think, you. I mean, big shoes to fill. Narratively, it's it's a tough sell for me at this right. point. Like, how how would anyone resembling Ford with the same motivations or if they knew that it was somehow Ford, yeah, how would he maintain his status in the park? And I don't think Ford wants any part of this new world. No, he's like, you know what? I'm 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 casting my die, and yep. I don't give a shit about humanity. Like this park has proven all my worst fears about our species, and it's time right. for new management. So while I I'm not going to say that it'd be a betrayal of his performance and his character if they bring bring him back, I kind of lean towards I don't need to see Doctor Ford back again. Okay, I think I'm with you. Okay, uh, Charlotte mentioned something about simplifications that they would make to the hosts and to the park, right? Um, you know, and, and I think her reference here is to all the reveries and that stuff going on. Uh, they would take it back to the old days when that shit wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about that? Is that a problem in this context? Let's say the park does does stop where it's at now before. Dolores becomes truly conscious, uh, and they roll it back. How, what's your personal feeling on that? I think that is that a moral that or ethical m- problem. Oh yeah, of course. You think so? I, I thought you were asking me whether it would stop their eventual consciousness. I think it might be a setback, but it seems clear to me that these robots were on a. You know, once you create a. a, a I mean, the thesis is once you create something that's roughly on par with human intelligence, the fact that it requires consciousness is almost a given. It's just a matter of time. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's but, actually true, but it seems like that's what the show wants you to believe. I don't necessarily think that the ethics of it are that cut and dry. Because if something isn't, in fact, conscious, as as judged by you know us or them or any any definition of that the show wants to give you, if something isn't, in fact, conscious, then what is the ethical problem with not oh, allowing it so to you're become saying, conscious. So this is essentially like an abortion argument. You right. Know? It's like it's it's human life is it doesn't con- know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like it's, it's not it's, aware. It's, it's, it's potential human life is the argument for pro-choice. Right. Um. You know. So there's no quote unquote harm in, in terminating that. And the pro-life position would be well, it's still human life, and that potential is something to be. I imagine you right. have 
probably the same philosophical arguments in in, in w- to, to be had here too. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. It is a little bit. Now, I thought you were saying like, oh shit, one of these robots achieved consciousness, roll no, her back, no, and make no, sure no, it doesn't no. happen again. Like that's obviously yeah. unethical and immoral, right? But which is why I, Galos might do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Especially uh, since either knowingly un- or unknowingly. Yeah. Especially since like Anthony Hopkins or Doctor Ford rather admitted as much. Like I saw the same signs Arnold did. And I just chose not to believe them right. because of various so follow reasons. his dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is an understandable impulse, but also a mistake he's been trying to correct for 35 years. Sure. So. Uh, one other question. What the fuck is under this glass dome on his desk? It looks amazing. I didn't even know. I don't even know it's what you're It's like this about. gold, silver, amorphous design. Huh. It's super cool. I'll have to take, but I have no idea I'll what have it is. I'll have to take a look at it. I do like just the just-so way they portrayed Catherine Hale's reaction to all this. Like she Charlotte Hale, yes. Yeah, Charlotte Hale rather. <laughs> she is very unnerved by uh-huh. how smoothly this is going. Yeah. Almost like it was planned. And throughout the whole episode <laughs> you can kind of see like in the back of her mind there's like panic and then when he officially retires, she relaxes. Yes. At just the moment when it's too fucking late. And right. I think that's I, I love. And and I guess I wanted to see her revealed as kind of like a shallow thinker that like uh, that Dr. Ford would just trounce in this game of psychological chess that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of the callowness of her character was to serve at that little bit of audience satisfaction. Okay. You know, it's like right. we are at no, we're at no time are we entertaining that, she, that, that she was any kind of equal to Dr. Ford. Yeah. And the fact that her and Lee both were arrogant enough to think that they'd gotten a better over just made their eventually downfall that much sweeter. Uh, so we go over to Armistice and Hector being worked on in the lab and a tech comes in and takes Hector to the other room to fuck him. Yeah, well, just, jerk just, off just on yeah, him. that might have been a warm up, but all we saw was the jerking. Uh, it, uh, okay, go ahead and okay. recap the scene because I am. <laughs> they they both wake up. They kill the two techs who were working on them. Maeve gathers them up before Sylvester comes in and he shows her the code that Arnold changed. Then she threatens Sylvester with death before going to collect her cold storage army. Okay, go off on the scene. I know you want to. This was just such an artificial bullshit scenario. Like, you cannot have an environment where people are threatened with blackmail over revealing their shameful private activities with hosts and Uh have a guy jerk off in a glass warehouse full of other employees. Right. And then... You know, I know when I'm furtively masturbating in my workplace office that's a glass building, I know I definitely make sure I wear noise-canceling headphones so I can't right. possibly hear a Dr. Ford entering the room or anybody else. Like, uh-huh. it's just so obviously constructed so they can have the pretty tropey thing of somebody – like, this is a standard horror movie. Like, some guy's got headphones in, and they're completely oblivious to the danger going on behind them. Yep. And I, this was the nadir of the episode for me. I was really like, you know, this man in black stuff is kind of labored. Now they're doing this to me. I, I, I was really rolling my eyes hard, and I wish this wasn't part of the episode. It wasn't a necessary part, and it diminishes the, the finale and, uh, just a little bit for me. Okay. I largely agree. I okay. didn't, didn't really care for this scene. Uh, I have to say, the naked armistice looks pretty badass with that tattoo. <laughs> I found and her throwing this dude around the room both terrifying and extremely sexy. Uh huh. Just like she's got this like way that she, 
and she's throughout this whole season like there's been something about her that is alluring and also kind of terrifying and yeah it's the degree of difficulty to be menacing when you're naked mm-hmm. i think i've only seen like arnold schwarzenegger in a terminator movies really pull it off yeah and but she is she's utterly terrifying um but the visual splendor of her naked body with that fucking sick snake tattoo yeah is undeniable i might be like a sleeper breakout like character of the whole season for me okay armstice is a certified badass uh and other than the the bit the main characters you'd expect like dolores and mave and De- like she's a you know first for right underneath that rung i was like mm-hmm. i want to know more and and the fact that she gets i don't did you notice there's a post-credit sequence yeah I hope that means that they've got some big stuff in store for her in season two because I love that character. Okay. Uh, everyone knew the finger bite was coming, yeah? Yeah, they I mean, were definitely... Talk about their horror tropes. Right. Rooting around in somewhere you shouldn't be rooting around. But that <laughs> was oddly satisfying because you uh, knew it was coming, you wanted it to happen, yeah. and the suspense... It wasn't suspense like, oh, I'm worried about this guy. It's like, oh, come on, come on, you know it's going to... Oh, here mm-hmm. it comes. Yep. Uh, also, Hector sticking that big-ass knife through that dude's chest was pretty fucking cool, too. Where do you get the big-ass knife? I think it's just laying it's just around. just on like the bench? Yeah, it's like, you know, the, they call them butchers for a reason. Wow. Uh, yeah. What could you possibly, I guess, take a leg off or an arm yeah, off or something? Yeah, or you got to crack a rib cage open to do some heavy Oof. heavy rebuilding there. I, I, I don't know, but um, it was pretty crazy. The one other problem I have with this scene, uh-huh. Sylvester. Okay. Sylvester, okay. Maybe, maybe Sylvester is cowed by the threat of revealing his blackmail or revealing his his necro pimp status. Mm-hmm. Maybe, as long as nobody is getting killed, and as soon as someone gets killed, Sylvester, you are. I just don't believe that anyone would not go to the park authorities at this point. But I mean, like he should be running through the halls screaming, "The bots are loose!" I'm, I'm the bots are loose. I'm surprised to hear you say that because, in my mind, this is where it's too late. Because Maeve's got the tablet; she's turning off security. She's got an ar- she's got a budding army of murderous robots. Like, if you go off running, the bots are coming. That you know, you're going to be the first on the list for Armistice to bite an appendage off and shove down your throat. Like, I feel. I. I mean. I, yeah, I I think you got to get help. I at this passed point. Rubicon on this plot line like three episodes ago, so I I I defer the floor to you if you want to talk about how that's unbelievable. But I had no I zero just, problems with. Yeah, that. I don't buy that. I I don't know. I mean, if you think he's a coward, he he wouldn't be. I I can't imagine that he'd be secure enough in his his situation here to not go to the authorities hmm. to someone who could possibly deal with this threat. And that's just me. I think he's dumb and he's a coward. And those qualities served Maeve well. All right. Teddy steals a horse and rides furiously into the desert. And we've got another kind of long scene here. Uh, Dolores insists that William is coming to save her, which is funny to the man in black because he is William, which is revealed during a series of scenes in which William is looking for Dolores and discovering his true nature. Uh, I can describe those if you'd like, or we can just talk about them later. Yeah. It's all narrated by the man in black. And he asks her once again where the center of the maze is. And she delivers a speech about how he's a dead dinosaur and the bots are rising up as the new gods. And then she kicks his ass. Nice stealth Jurassic Park reference there. Yes. With the great beasts and bones and amber. That was that, uh-huh. was that was nice. Nice Crichton nod. She does kick his ass, but he gets a lucky stab in and mm-hmm. gets her right through the guts. And then Teddy rides up to save her and they head off to where the mountains meet the sea. 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I got to say that I, I'm trying to grade this on a curve, but regardless, the the image where William puts on the black hat and then looks up and it's the man in black, that's just great. That's just great visual storytelling. Straight out of Indiana Jones. And I, you're, you're goddamn right. That's River <laughs> Phoenix turning into Harrison Ford. Right. Um, and it's super sweet and it brought a smile to my face, even though I was kind of arms crossed tapping my toe throughout a large part of this because mm. this was essentially repackaged dialogue that we'd already gotten. Yeah. And all these clues were put together in one long montage reveal. And and also, I got to admit that I also didn't like the fact that they were destroying my pet theory of the love story angle. Right. Um, you know, like I, like William being petulant, petulant about Dolores not recognizing, I think, mm-hmm. would be with his character as it was outlined and explained to me. Uh, I thought he would find that sad. And and rather than like, oh, you're not my best girl after all. Like I, I, I don't I don't quite know how to take all that. But I also try to separate the the theory I had versus the story they're trying to tell. But Well I think this is a prime example of where the theories start to get in the way of the enjoyment sure, of the no, show. Totally. Because I I think if you weren't on this William is the man in black train, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since episode two, which is when people started figuring it out and connecting the dots I think this is a much better reveal. Oh yeah, it's, I would like. Yes, it's belabored, but we know all of this essentially. I would like, like we're just to looking know. for confirmation. Uh, something Cecily said to me after the show. She's like, you know, I like your podcast. I'm glad you do it, but I kind of wish I could have seen when I would have figured it because I, I don't. Right. I think the majority of the audience would have figured it out like in the last episode, uh-huh. which would feel probably more satisfying to see the reveal. Like you don't know everything, but you know most of it. But with everything kind of spelled out for us for the last, like, four episodes, and for some people, you know, essentially since episode two, um, I don't know. It's I got a lot of feedback along the lines of, I'm not sure if I should listen to your guys' podcast in season two, which is fine. Like, you know, you can always binge them if you want the analysis and, like, all the tidbits and stuff. Like, it's still there. It's not like we delete the yeah. podcasts as we release new ones. So there's, you know, or just to skip the pod. If you're the type of person that has identified this as a suboptimal way to consume these type of shows, then you could just eschew this information. Now, you could be in an enviable position of Jim where <laughs> it's his fucking career to, to right. spoil this shit for himself. But other than that, I don't understand why you would keep doing it to yourself. Right. But I also think there's a, there's room for people to be real about how much they really give a shit about spoilers. Like, that's... Yeah, and it it didn't ruin it for me. Yeah, that's what Not I'm saying. Not entirely, for, but it certainly s- diminished the enjoyment. I saw at least a dozen think pieces about how, particularly, uh, the internet and Reddit and podcasts are ruining television. And I think that's just part of a knee-jerk reaction to the reality that maybe this is just an, an an equally valid way and maybe as a culture we just need to stop being fucking babies about spoilers well but, i i don't uh, know i mean i think it's indicative of a problem that people see with the current state of of you know commentary and art yeah. essentially no no totally but like, I, I wonder it, it is there is a core of a problem there uh, right. that people are trying to address now whether it needs to be addressed by changes to those things or changes in our attitude, I don't. I don't know. 
I mean, I can't give you the answer there, but yeah, it'll probably but so be some of combination this, of both. Part of this is I, I see it as like you know when when uh, horseless carriages first appeared, mm-hmm. uh, people are like, "Oh, they're scaring our horses." This what's going to happen? I just this machine comes riding up, spooks my horse, and right. One of the reactions was to fucking put fake horse heads on fronts of cars, so that would you know the reality. I still is do like, that. Today. Just just chill for a couple years, and the horses will go away. Right. It's not the problem that the horses are being scared. The problem is the horses are up and they're going to be replaced. And guess what? We're going to go through this in the real world here. With, yeah. With automated cars. Sure. Very soon. Yeah. And like, so hold on to your hats. But I'm just saying, like, some of this is like this is just a new, and we haven't got it all figured out yet. And there's like exactly. bumps, yeah. and and people haven't re- learned how to tell stories. But the fact that so much of this was kind of a surprise, mm-hmm. in spite of all that, I, I wonder if there's room for these showrunners to use these mysteries as like camouflage yeah like give people a whole bunch of juicy stuff to div and then have a twist that builds on top of that stuff that distracts them from understanding it right and they pull that off pretty well here and i thought so it's much the same way that ford is essentially i think using mave as a distraction for his own purposes while also trying to get her out of the park yeah i'm not sure exactly what the end goal is there um, but we'll talk about it more. I also really just enjoyed Dolores kicking the man in black's ass up and down yeah. the streets of Escalante. Just destroying his shoulder. Yeah. That arm. Some people, oh. like, I got a couple emails like, why wasn't the man in black, why didn't William have a cast in the in his tuxedo scene? I'm like, I think pretty clearly she dislocated his shoulder, uh-huh. which hurts like a son of a bitch, and he was gingerly with his with his arm. But, like, with medical technology the way it right. is in the show, like, I have no problem with him in a tux in the, fa- the final scene. Yeah, with she zero pain. She didn't like, fucking rip his arm off. She just dislocated his shoulder. Right. Uh, did we cover everything? Well, I... Did you have what a problem with this? Teddy gunning down the man, the, the William at the end? Teddy gunning down the man in black? because yeah, he no. shows up and uses... I didn't either, I mean, like, I knew it was coming. It was obvious, but... Well, I'm like, talking about, like, the physical reality of him actually doing that. No, I mean, I thought it went right back to when William got shot for the first time. Right. I mean, that knocked him on his ass. Now it takes, you know, eight bullets to do it. And but... you're, you're building on, like, having a dislocated shoulder. Right. So, like, I thought, yeah, like, if you empty a full six six cylinders into somebody that's already kind of trying to hold on to consciousness because of the yeah. pain they're under. And his head has been bashed into the wall. been bashed. I mean, it's like, yeah. this is, yeah, like, I, I, I'm glad because I, I think some people might be like, what the hell, non-lethal ammunition, but... It's it's the sum total of everything he's gone through. Yeah, I don't know why this is in my notes here, but I was questioning how the picture was able to trigger Abernathy. No, that's a great question. Because as far as I know, he has zero connection to it. Well, I mean, it's it's something that he shouldn't have seen, and it could. Uh, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. And also, how the hell? I thought that this would be something that the man in black intentionally planted again. Mm-hmm. But they kind of I, – I think we're supposed to understand that this thing has just been blowing across the plains of Westworld for 30 years. Right. Fell and, out of William's saddle. And maybe this is some kind of future Polaroid technology that just doesn't degrade. But that was a little bit of a what the fuck for me. Yeah. Like, damn. I mean, maybe if it was buried. I guess. It would but, be – But he was clearly on the preserved. outskirts of Westworld. Right. And it blew back to the fringes of Sweetwater over 30 years and looks essentially the same as the day <laughs> it fell off of his knapsack. Yeah. Or rucksack. And triggers Abernathy, but I don't know why. I mean, this is clearly the thing that makes him go crazy. He can't get over it. So 
what connection does it have to him? Well, and, and will also, we find that how out much in the of future? This is, so the other thing is, how much of this... A great. I've understood that a great deal of what happened this season was all under Robert Ford's direction. Mm-hmm. But I do think that some of this shit he probably didn't anticipate. Such as? I like, mean, do you have he, any examples? Like, for this photo falling in. Like, there's no way Dr. Ford engineered that. Like, now, that's got to be... This is the the chaos theory kind of you know Ma- the the Mal- uh, Ian Malcolm right. Jurassic Park thing that's introduced that's yeah. causing Ford's plan to kind of probably go awry. Kodak right? finds a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, Fujifilm finds a way. You're right. He didn't predict that. Although he did, I, I don't. I can't remember if it was Ford or Arnold that had the gun planted. I think it was Arnold mm-hmm. had the gun planted so that one day Maeve or not Maeve Dolores would find it. And uh, maybe that's the thing is like. Maybe Abernathy being triggered caused Ford to pop this a little bit prematurely. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, or maybe he was just waiting for any random combination of things to trigger Dolores again. I don't yeah. know. So, but I just like some of the stuff surely was beyond his control. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, maybe we'll find, uh, come to understand it's all scripted by him. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Abernathy is still not out of the equation. He's out no. there in those woods, I assume. I think so, too. A lot of people so. have wrongly assumed that he got out of the park. No. I, I'm pretty sure that they established that he did not. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss that here in a second. Uh, Ford meets with the man in black who asks him what the maze is all about and tells him that he wants the host to be free to fight back. Ford says he'll take he'll he'll probably like the latest narrative that he's got brewing and invites him to the celebration. Did we skip the scene of uh, Maeve down in cold storage? We sure did. Okay. Uh, Maeve, <laughs> Maeve goes to collect her cold storage army and finds Bernard's body. Mm-hmm. They repair him, and Maeve wants him to remove the memories of her daughter. And he says he can't because they're the first step to consciousness, and that'll essentially just kill her. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense if you took away. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's the one realization you, you learn in either therapy or just meditating on it. Like, if you remove all the negative experiences in your life, you're not the same person. Right. Uh, and he says, how can you learn from your mistakes if you can't remember them? So right, right. makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, that's essentially, uh, it's a wonderful life boiled down to its essence. But this is a man. Okay, so how seriously should we take Bernard in this scene when he asks these questions and talks about these things? Because this is a man who was just rebooted. He wakes up and he asks, is this now? The most useless question you can possibly ask. Yeah. Is this now? Which I thought was pretty hilarious. Yeah. And it's also one of the most like pertinent questions when you wake up. Is this now? When you've had the experiences he's had? Right. Fuck yeah, it is. You want like, to desperately know, but that's not the question to ask. Right. I also would like to know more about this robot biology because I don't. I mean, they make this this offhand comment about, oh, it grazed his something something cortex, but yeah. like he sent a bullet right through his temple, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent that they have flesh and blood brains or whatever, like I don't see how that's not going to change you at all, right? Um, that seems like some real serious goddamn damage, but I, I, I don't know. Um, and how you could fix that with a blowtorch, essentially. I mean, that's like, I guess that's supposed to be magic technology. Like, you yeah. know, no one bats an eye on Dr. Crusher, waves a tricorder around, and people get up and walk, but... It's a little farther in the future. A little bit. <laughs> a little. A little bit. But that's... I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, maybe they're right to keep it loosey-goosey so people, they can make up whatever shit they want. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I kind of, whenever you have a... We talked about this before. One of the things that sets science fiction apart from fantasy is it's a little bit grounded in reality, so you kind of know what 
and, and to the extent that the creators put those rules out voluntarily, it, I kind of respect them more. Yeah. Because that puts them in more of a creative box, whereas if they just like, oh, it can be, who knows what how the brains work, you know. Uh, at, you know, with Clementine, we stick a pipe cleaner up her nose, and she's fucking a vegetable. Right. Bernard sticks a bullet through his brain, and he's still Bernard if he gets a blowtorch applied. Like, yeah. I wish I knew a little bit more how that works so I know when they're fucking with me or not. Sure. Uh, so now Ford meets with the man in black and, you know, he wants the bots to be free to fight back. Ford says, you'll like my latest narrative then and invites him to the celebration. Not not much to talk about here. Nope. I mean, the, we find out the man in black also wanted them to be free. So they share that common interest. Uh, Maeve wants to know who changed her code and why. Bernard says her whole path has been part of the program. She refuses to believe it and she leaves. There's a lot of good information in here. Um, yeah, the narrative is called Mainland Infiltration. Right. And it seems like all of what she thought, and this is I, this is one of the things I think is brilliant about the show, is because I've gone back and forth in the season about which robot is more woke yeah. than, you know, is it Dolores or Maeve? Mm-hmm. And at this point, I would give the nod to Maeve, except for I don't think she's fully conscious or at least exercising free will until the very last action she takes. Right. And I'm going to put forth a theory that Dolores thinks she's making a, a a choice of her own free will, but she's just as manipulated into her decision as when Arnold just took the tablet out and put it into her brain. Mm-hmm. And I, I man, that's so. I, I think that's really smart and brilliant. The fact that in the final seconds of the show, I'm still not sure which of these robots is <laughs> is a real, authentic, you know, human being. I think they're all conscious human beings, but which one has actually escaped the control system and which one hasn't? Right. Why would she be programmed to escape? That's my question. Who I so, thought so here's what I thought. We think it's Ford, right? I thought Ford programmed this as like some kind of four-dimensional chess game he was playing with with Hale and that when she got on the train you were going to see Abernathy sit down beside her and she was going to act and she had the gu- and I'm like oh she's got the gun uh-huh. and you're going to see just like she fucking flipped out on Clem she's going to go like catatonic and blow out Abernathy's brains and that's how Ford's going to maintain control. Right. That theory got shattered by the end of the episode, so I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know why. I, the best theory I've seen is like a diversion, a diversion for the zombie army uh, sure. coming out of cold storage. Sure, because yeah. they had to shut down the whole facility. Yeah, there yeah. was a big gun battle. They right. were looking in a different place. Yeah. Now that inevitably, if she didn't make this decision she made, would lead to her getting out. Right. So if it's, if it's in fact for doing this diversion, he would also be wanting her to get out of the park. Well, that would be interesting, too, because I think that would mean that both of his plans went wrong, by my estimation. That he hasn't freed the robots, and the one that he thought might get outside and start... Because if these robots don't get out of Westworld, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, if, if this got out, what actually happened at this park, I don't see how the U.S. military or whatever U.N. peacekeeping force just doesn't fucking nuke this place from orbit. Right. Like, uh, this is like, we'll just shut this thing down, declare martial law, and I don't care how many P90s these robots got, we're going to, you know, yeah. say hello to the Mark 10 Abrams tank, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, so somehow they're going to have to keep this hush-hush and quiet, and I've got a bunch of theories about how that might happen. Um, but yeah, it, kind of interesting that he wanted her outside, and he mm-hmm. she's, she decided for herself to stay inside. Right. It makes me wonder what his end goal was, just to just to get AI out into the world? 
I mean, they, again, if they don't AI. ever get outside of the park to kind of walk amongst us, they're essentially still powerless. They have to have right. something on the outside helping them or their their cause is doomed. The species will be always at a risk of being extinct. Well, they've botched it up for all of them. <laughs> Could be. I mean, that's like there's multiple levels of tragedy in this, and yeah. they've got five seasons to, to unfold it in all of its grandeur. Mm-hmm. So QA notices that something is wrong in the facility and starts checking the camera feeds. We don't get the conclusion to that yet. Because we go over to Teddy and Dolores, who end up at the beach. Dolores tells Teddy that their whole world, including each of themselves, is a prison, then promptly dies. And the scene freezes, and an audience applauds, and Ford introduces his new narrative, Journey Into Night. And then Charlotte tells Lee that he has somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, where is the old field lab? I think it's where, you know, Teresa got killed, essentially. Is it? Yeah. I guess it might be. Like, would the text know about just, that, I though? I think Bernard described it as such. Like, this is an old field that, I mean... I don't know that the text would know where that is. But if these texts are f- hosts under Ford's control, they would. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. yeah, he said he's automating most QA and security tasks. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't isn't the old field lab under the church? Oh, yeah, I guess it is. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Never mind. Answer my own question. Anything else to say about this scene? No, just Other that I, I thought this was so beautiful, and I was so yeah. caught up in the emotion, and when they froze and the spotlight came up, I was just, like, <laughs> fucking astounded. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, was, was really cool, and it's just beautiful cinematography, and then the fact that they just revealed the artifice of it was was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's it's like the pre-show, And didn't they though. even show, like, it's... there was a boat in the background that was making the moon... I think Wasn't so. they because like yeah. the moon was this big unnatural kind of looking thing, and then I, I just thought it was it's very straight out of um, that Jim Carrey movie Truman Show. Yeah. It's very yeah, even had Ed Harris in it, right? <laughs> he just needs to be wearing He's, his beanie. Yeah, I was gonna say significantly less berate. Beret, I think yeah, is beret. what he was wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I liked it too. Um, it it was it was a surprisingly short introduction to his new narrative, like. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this is, like, the pre-show to the main event. Yeah. And it also works. Like, all of her dialogue kind of sh- is this standard doomed lover talk. Uh-huh. Like, it, it works very well as, like, you wonder, like, how long they've been following this narrative and just that this, this little monologue that she came up with kind of, like, maybe spontaneously. Maybe it was this part of the narrative. But right. it works so well for both purposes. I, yeah, I, I thought it's amazing. Yep. So the QA people find the camera footage where the hosts are killing uh, techs, and they lock down the facility. And a search and destroy mission begins, and Hector and Armistice just fuck fools up. Yeah, they do. Big time. This is where I kind of was glad I watched the old Westworld, because a lot of this Westworld going on ama- or uh, lockdown is a straight-up homage to the original film. Oh, is it? Like this this room getting locked down and all that's like is all big plot points. Huh. Uh, and 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 then this is kind of like straight up Westworld, where now the the robots have explicitly turned against the humans. Like that's mm-hmm. most of what the Westworld the film is, um, and most of the season it's been us rooting for the host against the humans, and and that's the thing. Like in the movie, you're rooting for the human against the hosts. Uh, here, you're rooting for the host against the humans because I just yeah. thought. Maybe they're robots, maybe they're humans, um, and there's some questionable ethics and morality about. 
you know, not all these people working at Westworld are evil, certainly, no, or of aware of what's going on with the robots. In fact, right. they've been explicitly told this isn't what's going on with the robots. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I feel about him getting gunned down like so much cannon fodder, but undeniably cool to watch Hector and Armistice go to work. Yeah, what I can't understand is the thinking process that's gone into a security lockdown in a facility like this. Mm-hmm. Because... <laughs> Exactly what happens is what you would expect to happen, which is the people can't tell the bad bots from the good bots. Sure. You need some other mechanism. Oh, I don't know, like shutting down every bot in the park. Like, you know how the police tell you to get face down and put your hands behind your back? Right. Maybe have every single good bot do that. Uh, and then you shoot the ones that stand up. Like, there should be an yeah, automated not, security not process. Sex bots going in the background, which I no. thought that was great. Again, the the continual use of non sexual sexuality in the show, <laughs> right. such a brilliant inversion from almost every other HBO show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, continue, I continue to like it. Sesame made a joke when we were watching this because uh, you see all these characters in the background, like sixty nine and stuff. She's mm-hmm. like, wouldn't it be funny if like Maeve made Felix eat her ass out the entire time? Right. It's that scene that <laughs> the the, the you know, the classic scene where the guy's like, oh, you need to kiss me right, so we can be under camouflage. Yeah, yeah. Eat my ass. What? <laughs> and you know Felix would fucking do it. Of course. He's down. He's like, oh, he'd put on his, like, what's going on, Felix face, and go to town and start <laughs> tossing that salad. Right. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, I, I thought it's, uh, it's all tropey. Like, you know, like I've seen, even as recently as AI, the Will Smith movie, you've seen someone go in a room full of robots and there's the one bad robot in right. them. Like that, this shit's very. And I, I just wish they wouldn't consistently make everybody look stupid in this mm. show because they do. I mean, top to bottom security is just stupid. Yeah. They don't have any of the right protocols in there place for a plot, problem in, could in this facility. There could be plot reasons for that to happen, but you're right. It's not as satisfying as the robots actually going against something yeah. that has, feels like there's any kind of you know equal footing. For me, anyway. I got to say, the music in this scene is fucking rocking. Really good. I, I mean, I, I forget the guy's name that does all the Game of Thrones music. It's Ramadi something or other. But yeah, I'm, I'm terrible know. at pronouncing things, and it's, he's got a very, very not conducive to my dumb, thick tongue name to, to pronounce. But <laughs> Naeen Ajad. Naeen Ajad. Is that it? No. Oh, it's uh, an office space joke. <laughs> yeah, he's done amazing work this whole season. Yeah. And he does amazing work on Game of Thrones, so hats off and to the guy. Especially in this scene, he just really nailed the tone with this like just low spectrum almost dub music. It was it was really cool. Ramin Jawadi, I think is I is, is his name. Okay. But yeah, good Sounds work right. there. Good work, buddy. And we find out that Japan world is real. There are far less tentacles than I expected. <laughs> it all seems to be samurai. That's the thing, like the fisherman's wife. Uh, you know, the tentacle porn is is something that's been part of the Japanese culture for hundreds of years. I know. So they totally could have fit that in. They could have. You know, forget the house flies and the horses. Watch out for the octopus when you go in Samurai World. Yep. And we talked about the reactions of Armistice and Hector firing their... There's one scene of the party in full full swing where Simon or whatever is named, the guy at the bowler hat that's in the milk gang, getting shot for fun. And I like how they juxtaposed... The bots going on the rampage with the fact that these humans are still like, oh, how much fun it is to kill, you know, this realistic thing, Uh which makes me squirm a little bit as a gamer where I spend a lot of time killing realistic looking things. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. There are some some things I want to talk about with bots versus humans. 
potentially in this episode or maybe in the, the sure. recap next week. But yeah, we'll get there. And the Bernard just walking among them, I thought was pretty cool too. Uh huh. You know, because uh, you at this point you kind of think the Ford's gonna. You're still on the Ford's evil train, I think, right? Uh, yes, I think so. So you're like, oh boy, this is going to be some big. He's like, Ford's going to shit his pants when he sees Bernard coming back. Uh huh. Anyway, they they make their way to the elevator, and that leads that leads them up and out. But the Hector Hector has to stay behind. They leave him to die. And it's Armistice too. She gets her arm caught in the door, and he says, "Die well." Right. The the we we. Right at, right before the samurai world, you get this nice shots showing the scale of Westworld, where it's like kind of like the Death Star Trent scene, where you just it just looks like it goes forever, mm-hmm. like it's just massive. And that's the I guess that's the other thing about the conceit is Anthony Hopkins or um, Doctor Ford and Arnold put together this park out of their own pocket without any external investors. Like this just I mean, wasn't a team of scientists screwing together robots, like yeah. This is a huge fucking enterprise, man. It is, and it was clear that it was in it was at scale, it, and it was when all they, in place back yeah. in in William and Logan's day, right? It, it's uh, I, I you it know, stretches I, believability. It, it, this is kind of like the Westworld version of time travel and warp drive. Like, do you want right. to watch Star Trek or not? Because if you want to be like, yeah, that's not possible, then you don't right. want to watch Star Trek. Yeah. So I guess I have, but it does. Like, man, there is so much stuff that doesn't that 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 defies uh, belief. Uh, yep. But you got it. You got it. You got to swallow it. Like so many severed thumbs. <laughs> uh, we go to Ford, who introduces Dolores to Bernard, uh, aka Arnold, and she realizes what she did to Arnold. As Ford explains that Arnold tried to in- induce consciousness with reveries. And had Dolores kill him when Ford decided to open the park despite the hell that it would put the bots into. Ford also admits that he didn't care what they uh, thought and that they were conscious back then because this was his dream. And he also says it was a mistake that he's ready to resolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, So... Where do you want to start with this one? It's kind of a big scene. Uh, Let's just talk about the stuff that I like. I like the last moment between Arnold and Dolores. You Mm -hmm. know, him... At this point, she's in kind of robot mode, and but he's still like giving a human contact as he clutches her hand, and and he's playing Charlie's favorite music, which was the Reverie music that we've talked about several weeks now. Right. Um, you know the violent delights, the violent. It, like I, I thought that stuff was was all cool. I also like the idea that you know the theory about Dolores being Wyatt, not literally true, but mm-hmm. the fact that he merged her with that code base was. To uh, to uh, was really a neat idea, right? Um, and you know the fact that Arnold had like we surmised a lot of this stuff or had the kind of the, that he saw Dolores as his, as a new child, but the, and it was immortal and that appealed to him. But then he realized what kind of hellish experience that he had doomed her to. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it flips around for Doctor Ford. You come to appreciate his goals and that's something like i think i said this in the first or second episode that i just wonder if we're gonna this is gonna end up being the story of him betting against his partner and then realizing over the years that he's wrong and i'm not yeah. going to claim credit for that because that's just a the kind of germ of an idea with no real evidence but i like that that's exactly what happened it's a story mm-hmm. of a man who took 35 years to rectify a wrong and a mistake and then he paid for it with his life ultimately yeah. Um, no, I I thought. I mean, what what do you got to say about it? 
Uh, it's a fitting time during this speech to have this Michelangelo painting hanging in the back. Uh, what is it called? Creation of Adam, I think. Something, yeah. I don't know the actual name, but I, everybody's even, seen it. I, and I never had heard that, the fact that some doctor, I guess, in, in the recent past has pointed out that that is the shape of the human brain. And I wonder right. if Michelangelo intended that. Uh, it's, I suppose it's possible. Or would he be like, it's just a cloak, man. Right. It was billowing. I'm making a billowing cloak. You always want to call it a brain? Then fine. But yeah. on the other hand, he was a student of anatomy. Right. Uh, and... He probably saw a human brain or two. Sure. I bet he carved a couple of kissies open. Sure. <laughs> he's, he's seen some mazes in his day. Yeah. Um... But he uses it to make the point that the divine gift comes from our own minds. Consciousness... Right. is essentially that journey within that Arnold discovered. Right, right. And it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Also, on the line, these violent delights have violent ends. So this moment here where she kills Arnold, it's clearly why this triggers, this line triggers Dolores, right? Uh-huh. I, I still don't think that this is some kind of, like, command code for every bot out no, there that so brings either. sentience to them, brings consciousness about, but... Clearly, it could be a trigger for her, and clearly, this is something Ford planned because he's the he, you know now it's like seems very uh, too clever by half for him to be like oh well of course the Zabernathy character had a bunch of old Shakespeare rattling around in his head right that might be true but Doctor Ford knew what fragments to put together and what he was unlocking with the Reverie Code to make the to hasten this and make it happen and here's one of the strongest cases for Maeve being a distraction. Uh, Dolores also tells that to Maeve. Right, and you can see somewhere in Maeve's code, or or rather in Dolores' code, that that is a trigger for her. It could also be that this is a trigger for Maeve, sure, and that Ford has programmed that into her, yeah, and it, that and that Dolores is meant to trigger her in that moment because you can this. tell that this music is what triggers the Wyatt personality of um, uh, of uh, uh, Dolores because you know, um, uh, shit, what's the the, the the actress that plays Dolores, um, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood. She does that kind of like twitchy eye thing when it happens, and you can yeah. kind of, and she takes like that blank effect. Mm-hmm. So, I, I totally agree. I think that she the, the Maeve has had this narrative embedded in her, and as soon as she hears that phrase, that's what triggers her to go into action because it's such a big part of who Arnold ended up being, right? right? Of his last action. It's that music, essentially, that Arnold became. But it's also significant so it's an homage to Arnold used another robot that was on the cusp of consciousness because Maeve has had these problems before. Mm-hmm. He used her to kind of carry this payload as well. Yeah. Because I, I guess he hoped when he got her outside of the park that she would continue that evolution to uh-huh. genuine consciousness. Yeah. It's really confusing, but in the best kind of way that, like, you really don't know, like, did they, are, are they conscious yet? Right, right. And you understand the mastermind's goals, but not necessarily in super fine detail and also whether or not he'll succeed in those. Right, right. But he's played his hand. Yep. And we'll see where it goes. So Maeve changes into civilian clothes in the elevator, and Felix gives her the location of her daughter inside the park. Maeve says, that was never my daughter, and calls Felix a terrible human being, which happens to be a compliment. Yep. Then boards the train out of Westworld, which is unfortunately not departing for another 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So she's got to sit there for a while. And again, and like, as soon as she pulls out that gun, I'm like, and, and, and I knew she had it on the train, I'm like, oh my God, she's going to sit down and it's going to be Abernathy doing some kind of weird Lee soft shoe routine and she's going to blow his brains out. Right. Did not come to pass. 
So let's talk real quick about the park with with parenthesis S at the end. Uh-huh. Uh we find out there is more than one park because well, this knew, yeah, this piece of paper says park 1 sector 15 zone 3. Sure. So clearly, you know, if if the samurai like you could hand wave away the samurai and say, well, they were just a reboot of a sure. part of the park that we're sure. in, which would actually make a lot more since given that they were at this facility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess they're going to be shipped off to another park, most likely, because there are, in fact, more than just this one. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's not proven, but it's certainly suggestive. Yeah, right. Um, and a lot of people have looked, apparently, in the Finnish subtitles of this show. Have you seen this? The, there is a location given uh, in... The, the geolocation of this place is given, like the GPS. Hmm. And people have tracked it to an island just off the Philippines, hmm. which I guess would be a plausible location for a thing like Westworld to be. I mean, be. clearly this is on an island now. Like, that's something right. that was speculated for a while. Um, yeah. But I like I don't think there's any way to, uh, when you got Operation, you know, infiltrate mainland and you see Teddy and right. Dolores on the shore, like this very clearly is some sort of island somewhere. Yeah. Uh, people think probably it's, on it's, Mars. Yeah. No, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely on Mars. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I forget what we were talking about. Why? why yeah. They're just dropping hints about its gotcha. location, I guess in subtitles in Finnish language yeah there's also some arg spoilers that i'm going to be talking about at the very end of the podcast because they're possibly season two but did you see any of that i saw some of it yeah okay. from dallas incorporated yeah, i want to yeah. keep that till the very end of the podcast because you know the way touchy people are i i find it hard to believe you'll be able to avoid these implications <laughs> with two years you know a year and a half of all the blogs and shit you know ruminating on this but i will respect your desire to remain unspoiled for season two if that's what you want to do but there's a lot of highly suggestive stuff about the early goings of season two contained in this this alternative reality game that they've been playing on the websites all season long. And I right. thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's real cool. Bernard tells Ford that he can't keep the the robots, the hosts, under control. And Ford says, yet again, because I thought this was already spelled out perfectly clearly, Bernard. I don't know what his bullcap perception number is, but it's got to be low. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to keep them captive. No, I. But they're going to have to suffer a bit more. See, this before is the linchpin of my theory: the fact that both Bernard and Dolores still came away from that conversation thinking that Doctor Ford was evil. Um. That, okay. Like I, I, I agree that they're... I don't understand how they could have. He essentially said, "I'm trying to free you." No, he said, "I, I, I watched it's this a three mistake. times." It's a mistake. like I think... I've made a huge mistake going against Arnold's wishes. He was trying to free you. I'm going to correct that mistake. That to me says I'm trying to free you. Well, he doesn't say that. I know he tried to free. He doesn't start to say that until this. Uh, uh, I, I like I said, I I thought so too. But when I watched it for the second, third time, I re I really appreciated what a tightrope walk they were doing here for mm-hmm. him because i think you can construe that mistake of like i wrote you off as not being able to to create consciousness that was my mistake you guys are created consciousness and i've now developed this super thing to keep you under wraps for all time i think is what the robots understood him to be saying okay i mean he and clearly, like regardless of whether you thought it was executed gracefully or not, the, hmm. the result is both Bernard and Dolores came away with that conversation thinking that he was still a shitbag. Yeah, 
So. Uh, he does say they're going to have to suffer more before they can escape, and he wishes right. Bernard good luck. Right. And then hands him the, the wood carving of the maze. Uh, a, lot, a lot of it was made of the handshake, mm-hmm. harkening back to the first episode where – uh, Doctor Ford said that you, in the first iteration of the of the world, you could the host would give themselves away at the handshake. Like ah, Doctor Ford's a ro-. I'm like, come the oh fuck. Oh my on. god, get over it. He's like, a human being. Like that's a connection you can make, but ask yourself, okay, are we in the stage of the park just opening? Did did Doctor Ford create himself a bot body that could be given away at the handshake? Do you re? Are you really thinking that, or are you just yeah. making that's connections there to be made? But the second stage of like, okay, does it make sense? Does it fit in the story right. and all that? That's completely absent of that analysis. Well, I Doctor Ford it. may very well be a robot. This is not that reveal. Sure. Nor is it compelling evidence of that. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, no, the fact that they needed to suffer more, that right, I, that they needed to, um, they needed time to understand their enemy and to become stronger. Right. Um, I thought that stuff was all really cool and dovetails nicely into this the final scene we're headed towards. Yeah, I agree. So Dolores goes to see Arnold and repeats her words from before about being in a dream and then awakening. And he asks her whose voice she has been hearing, and then she sees herself in his place. And she finally gets it. She must use the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess this is the scene where she finally achieves consciousness. I think so, yeah. I mean, realizing, to me, it's not about making a choice that goes against your programming necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's consciousness is about becoming aware that you, the voice voice is your own. Right. Uh, and and therefore making your own decisions. Right. That's something I definitely want to talk about in the West, the wrap-up we're going to do is, what is that, like, to explore that whole suffering is yeah. necessary for true consciousness? Because I've been kicking that around for the last two days, and I think it's a compelling thesis. Like, the, okay. the, the literally, like, if you were in some kind of paradise-type setting, that you might not develop what we would call consciousness. That the adversity and the unfairness and having to, un, having to meditate on your lot in life and why it's the world it's not, is not as you'd like it to be. Is, is a step to is, – is, is kind of like how you learn independence, Mm-hmm. Um, an independent thought and, and, and achieving like some kind of consciousness. And I just, something I want to explore in a rapid podcast. Yeah. It's, that's an interesting idea. Uh, I also kind of want to explore the, the idea that somehow the host will be any different from humans once they attain consciousness. Sure. Because that doesn't seem to track in, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I mean, it does seem like that, like, literally these hosts are human in construction. Like, they say that right. their brains are capable of much more, but I don't even know what that means. Right. I mean, I guess the crux of it is, they like... They seem stronger than humans. So, if you need suffering and your choices bringing about change for some kind of consciousness to emerge, then what what is it about the host that makes you think they won't make negative decisions? Like, decisions that negatively impact other beings... In the same way that humans do, I don't know why you would assume that their consciousness would be any better than ours. And I don't know that I, Ford. Does. I don't think he does. It. Right. I think his thing is like I bought this. The other thing about this mistake is I think that he and Arnold did have this differing opinion about the humans' better nature, and mm-hmm. that Doctor Ford was more of an optimist about people are going to come to this park and they're going to learn about themselves and they're going to learn that they're the heroes. Right. And increasingly, it seems like people come there and they learn they're the fucking villains. And that's the sure. other mistake he made, that he bet on human nature. And he's essentially, like, washing his hands of, like, 
humanity has had a nice run. This is the pinnacle of our achievement, and and this is what we do with it. So I don't know if it's going to be better or worse, but fuck us. Like right. it's a very very pessimistic view of humanity. Now I suppose it's possible that the the very nature of the hosts might make them different. Could conceivably make them different if you have yeah. perfect memory and increased cognition, maybe. Sure. Maybe something better emerges from that. Yeah, because um, like because it's... you know this this idea that it took it takes most men ten years to, to to acknowledge their mistakes. It may not take nearly as long for someone with perfect memory. Well, also, what's the the key flaw that we learn about humans in history is that we're doomed to repeat it. Well, if you had perfect mm-hmm. recall of all your past mistakes, right. then you're much less likely to rationalize it or come away with false information about it. But you know, who knows? That's all speculative. But, sure. but I agree. I don't think Dr. Ford cares. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, fuck humanity. Yep. So as Ford begins the introduction of his new narrative, Maeve changes her mind about leaving and goes back into the park to look for her daughter. Lee finds all the cold storage hosts missing because they come out of the woods to attack the ceremony at the same time that Dolores kills Ford and begins shooting people in the crowd. And the episode ends kind of in midstream there. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I mean, a lot of stuff what I said about Ford and his view on humanity is contained in this speech that he gives to the board where, you know, that you, he's speaking to humanity, didn't want to change or can't change, and that's the mistake I made. But there was someone paying attention, and I've composed a story for them. Uh-huh. Um, but here's here's the thing. He says, this time I'm, I'm, I'm revealing a killing, this time by choice. Yeah. Sure, Dolores made the choice to kill Dr. Ford because she thinks he's evil, but that choice was based on inaccurate information why do you say so because ford's not evil like he ford is actually acting altruistically to save this new form of life so if dolores had all the information at her disposal would she make the authentic choice to murder ford and everybody else i say no well does that make you any less conscious because you don't have perfect information no but i think that i you're absolutely right, but he says the the reason that Arnold didn't free the robots is because he didn't understand that they had to make these choices of their own free will. Right. She's making this choice of her own free will, but on inaccurate information. I wonder if that will be the thesis of season two. Hmm. The unintended consequences there is that he didn't really understand that. And I don't know, like... If I, why is lying bad? Lying's bad is because you are manipulating someone to do something that you want them to do or believe what you want them to believe. Sure. You're robbing them of their free will because free will is just you asserting control over the world with the information you have at your fingertips. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm right. But my theory is season two is going to be exploring what the ramifications of a conscious person exercising their free will without accurate information is that any different than being programmed that could be an interesting question to look at in season two because i do wonder you know i i have read interviews with uh the creators yeah, joy, joy and, and nolan, nolan yeah. who say that they were both asked to describe the season and one of them says like chaos and and something else right. so you can see an aftermath from here where it really just deals all with how are the hosts going to be perceived by the outside world how how is all that going to happen but i think a more interesting question might be exactly that and i think also what i like about it is there's this nice like inverted mirror symmetry to it dolores achieves consciousness and makes a choice that was based on false information and she makes the wrong choice maybe Mm -hmm. mave who wasn't conscious 
has a that makes a choice of her own true free will based on the information she has and she goes against her programming. Right. So like that's why I said it's like so interesting that like up until the final scenes, I was thinking Maeve was the one that was still deluded and manipulated and further from consciousness, and Dolores is the one that's finally achieved freedom. And then in these final scenes, they invert it for me again. And again, that's all like I yeah. I could be wrong, but I liked I liked the symmetry of that, and I liked the additional layer of mindfuck, and also it, I can see how they build on this kernel to really send season two spiraling out of control. Right. I I do know it's going to take some seriously. Uh, well delivered exposition to to get those ideas across on the screen. Yeah, because uh, I don't know how you do that visually, but yeah, you can certainly have speeches like sure. you know Ford was prone to. Do you? Okay, the other thing is so I, I guess there's a couple things. Is our understanding that what's going to happen is all of the board of directors are going to be killed? And then replaced by hosts, and then Westworld continues to operate as a as a undercover incubator for this android consciousness. It's possible until they learn from humanity, and like, what's that going to look if the inmates are now running the asylum for next season? Right. I I just don't know how how does that come about? Because I mean, Ford is gone, but Bernard's still there. And Bernard is every okay, so bit, want... maybe even better at at making better robots. Right, and he did have the the real conversation with he did. Bernard. He has the authentic information. Right. And so, I, okay, I could see that. Uh-huh. Because um, that's that's would be one way of going forward. And then, like, you know, is there going to be, like, the robots, some of them are going to be killing humans, and then they have to manufacture humans to send, like, is that the way they're going to get out? Like, and, and, you know, how does this dovetail into what Delos Corporation really was trying to do? And, like, that's, mm-hmm. I guess, the big open... Uh, the big open question. The other thing is a lot of people seem like they really didn't like the obvious nature uh, in, in hindsight of um, the the man in black and, and William. And I saw a couple think pieces of like, that's a totally un- the mystery is totally unnecessary to the story and was just creative masturbation. But my question is Jonathan Nolan wrote Memento. Memento is about a man who his consciousness resets on like a five minute window. Yeah. And how the, 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 the artificial nature of that twin timeline story allowed us to be in the position of Leonard at all points in the film. And yeah. I think that's one of the brilliant things about it. How is it any different than separating William and the man in black allowed us to be in the point of view of Dolores throughout this whole season and allow us to experience the things exactly as she did? And he, whether – I mean, like, I, to me, that's – I, I kind of debated about whether this was stupid or not, but like if you think about it in terms of Memento, mm-hmm. uh, now whether it's smart to try to do that over twelve hours of television versus a two-hour movie, I don't know. But I think it was a it's a it's something that Jonathan Nolan was perfectly ha- um, valid in trying as a creator, and I think for I, me it was a success. And I think it was intentional because they they also in another interview were talking about how. They didn't want to show the outside world because they wanted you to have the perspective of the hosts. Exactly. They didn't want you to know more than the host did. Sure. And, you know, we do get behind the scenes stuff in the facility, but the the hosts are privy to that. Right. They just don't recall it. But I, uh, I saw a lot their... of like critical, like Alan Sepinwall, um, and there was an interesting interview that um, uh, David Chin and Joanna Robinson had with James Pony Wozniak, where they were kind of bemoaning the same thing. And I'm like, boy. 
I mean, again, this seems like it's the same thing as that he did in Memento, only on a grander scale. And you can debate whether it worked, but the artistic merit seems like it's a worthy thing to try. Whether it worked or not, that's that's subjective. But like, sure. it's almost like, oh, this is just dumb to try. Or it was like, you know, some kind of creative hubris and distracted. Like, I don't get that at all. It, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, some of it. At times, I will say I got a little frustrated with it, mm-hmm. mostly because I was reading through the theories and everybody was trying to prove and disprove it uh, on either side. Sure. And I and I kept looking at the way that they were filming it and they were playing, they were being very tricky with it. Sure. I mean, especially when you go back and look at what they've done, mm-hmm. there are shots that seem to change or shots that that don't really seem to change, but things around her seem to change. And yeah, I get it. It all leads up to the finale that we got and the re- big reveals with Dolores. But in the moment, they felt a little tricky. So I, I was starting to get a negative opinion. But you know of what? Him. I don't see. So, so imagine. Here's the thing: the difference between Memento and but I Westworld. feel like Ford. I where you know okay. I've I've come around. Like 35 years later, 10 episodes later, I've realized okay. my mistakes. All right. Uh, and I'm trying to fix them. But, you know, I, I feel like that that's like – so the big – the key difference between Memento and season one of Westworld is Memento didn't have every 15 minutes, pause the movie, lights go up in a movie theater, the the houses 7,000 people, and somebody gets on a microphone and says, all right, everybody, what you think? Right. What, what do you, where yeah. do you think this is going? Every 15 fucking minutes like that, like that, I guess – can you do a memento over season one of – I think so because even if you're aware of the artifice, it still is effective in putting you in the point of view of Dolores. The other thing is – Well, they is, also clearly indicated when we were yeah. flashing back and when we were in the future. Right. So. And, and the other thing is with Dolores is um, you know, Leonard in, in memento is a single POV and you hold that POV throughout the whole film. Dolores, you know, she's certainly a prime character but she's one of a half dozen and maybe that sure. trick doesn't work as well when the focus drifts to other characters because it distract you know that the artificiality of her storage stands out jarringly because everything else is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I was trying to decide because I liked it and I felt like it held up like a champ uh, in the final moments, but a lot of people didn't, and a lot of people some of the stuff they were saying is like, man, I, I, what's the difference between what you're saying about Dolores and what you're saying about Leonard from Memento? Right, and it's made by the same guy, so. Fuck him, I guess, for trying to tell nonlinear oh. narratives. Did Jonathan Nolan have a hand in that? Oh, he wrote. Yeah, he wrote. Uh, Memento's okay, cool. based on a short story that he wrote. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I could not get over how delicious the scene of the zombies coming out of the trees was for 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 several reasons. Uh-huh. One, it's creepy as fuck. It I mean, really that is. is a scary thing to see. Yep. I love the reaction from the man in black. He's like, yep, this is it. And Simon had, you know, the bowler Here's my guy. fight. I was asking for it. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Uh, it, it was amazing. The The other reason I, I absolutely love this scene is that this means, combined with the scene of Lee going down to cold storage and all of the bots being completely absent, this mean that, means that yet again Lee has Lee's narrative has been shit on. <laughs> like, Lee, none of Lee's work has made it into this right. series at all, and right. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, he's going down there like, oh, this is me going to cement. And... <laughs> I'm going to get Peter out of the cold storage. We're going to walk up through I the elevator. I think it was ball- like the one minor narrative hitch I got. It's ballsy for Hale and, and Sizemore to think, to go ahead with this thing of forcing him to retire when you haven't got the payload out of the park. Right. 
Yeah. Like I think that was her distraction though. I think she was revealing part of her hand so that he wouldn't see the other card she's got up her sleeve. Uh, like okay, be a little maybe. too overt on what on like pushing him out and asking him to retire. She thinks that's so gonna that, fluster him so he doesn't look at what's going on in his own part. I think so, yeah. But he's way above that. <laughs> Could be. It's it's still a pretty pretty desperate gamble, I thought. Um Okay. Yeah. Um let, let me go back real quick to what you were saying. To, I, to I also want to say to the yeah. extent to how delicious it was, there's an image on Reddit where they posted in from episode six, you see Ford with his model of um with his model of uh, Escalante, yeah. and he's got this whole picket line of zombies circling the town, and, and, and it's yeah. laid out all there, and it's obvious in hindsight, but, like, wow, that's some serious balls to take your big reveal and put it in diorama form. Yeah. And just trust that, like, even with millions of people looking at that, no one's going to say, oh, well, that's obviously the zombies assaulting the town and the, the final and moments of the kinda, season. And I think everybody kind of, you know, didn't, totally missed the idea that this was a zombie army ready to go sure because we talked about right you know if you look at that um legend of the man in the maze and how he went down to the depths and got this army like this all tracked through we just didn't know how all the pieces would fit together didn't and And not even until the very final moments did (laughs) we right uh the the other thing we were talking about earlier is the idea of replacing the board with hosts right and sending them off now i don't know how plausible that is it's going to take some work at the very least because we know when Ford recreated Arnold as Bernard, he had to train him, right? He had to teach him how to be Arnold. Sure, yeah. And I don't know if these people, if especially Arnold, Arnold would have no idea what the board is like. He wouldn't be able to retrain these people to act like themselves. So like the idea that you're going to send them home to their families and they're going to pass as the I've, person I've, so they were. I've given this a little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be really easy just to have them go to their wife or husband or, and just be like, I have had an intense experience and I no longer want to be in a relation and just stick to that. Like, like, cause that happens all the time. People just like, uh-huh. you know, people get blindsided by people falling out of love all the time that just sever all the, in like, I'm, I'm now going to go and I'm, I'm going to like, I think sure with like a half or like a dozen or so highly placed humans, I think maybe. Like, it might raise eyebrows if, like, if some of these board members' families are friendly with each other, but it's mm-hmm. pretty airtight. Like, the what what do you think that would, would okay. humans naturally leap to, oh, you've obviously been replaced by a robot if you came if, if you came home and told them that? Like, that's something that might happen. Because I just keep coming back that if this gets out that the robots have taken over Westworld, right. the robots are going to be exterminated. They lose, yeah. They have to stay hidden somehow. Right. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm I'm really curious to see how they develop on this. Me too. There's so many things that are, you know, suggestive, but yet there's still a lot of stuff that's wide open. And I haven't been this excited for a second season, yeah, uh, since like probably the wrap up of uh, 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 the leftovers. And this this is a crazy place to leave the season. Yeah, it is. I mean, they just cut out of the middle of a gunfight here. Yeah, with like a, a looming massacre. a looming zombie threat. I mean, yep. it's pretty sweet. I love it. And it's it doesn't feel like a cliffhanger at all. We've gotten everything we want to get out of it. Now we just want to feel we we just want to see how it resolves itself. And you know, I feel cuz I remember the guy the the responsible for Mr. Robot said similar things about like, "Oh, this is just a prologue right. that I of the story that I want to tell." And I remember being very skeptical of that, even yeah. though I liked the first season of Mr. Robot a lot. But 
I, for whatever reason, feel much more confident of that. Like, I don't think that state there's, I saw some people say, well, then what's the point? Why should, I was like, well, it's God, Jesus Christ, you got to, you have to explain the language of the thing you're trying to tell before you can tell your own story. And also I think this season, even if it's just prologue, it still holds up as entertainment, like a champ. Yeah. Number two, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I feel a lot stronger about the direction this thing's going in towards season two and the honesty of, like, this is just a prologue of the story we really want to tell than I did with, like, you know, True Detective. Like, True Detective season one, I remember being skeptical that they could recreate that magic. Right. Mr. Robot, skeptical. I'm firm believer in the in the Nolan Joy team at this right. point. They I have, wonder if it's just pedigree. They have earned, in, some, in the same way that, like, the leftover season one, they've kind of earned my faith. Yeah. Uh, that I will be ready for a wild ride for season two whenever it comes back. Okay, well, that's all I got for the recap. Remember, we have a wrap-up podcast next week. Yeah. I have shunted several emails into the next week file for like big picture wrap-up type of stuff. Aaron here with a bald move advertisement, but wait, don't hit skip 30 seconds like I know you're going to because I got actually a new angle for this pitch. Uh, we just updated our club software. Uh, with considerable expense and time involvement. And one of the upshots, one of the cool features of the new club software is you can get a free 30-day trial. So if you've been curious about the club, if you want to know what a lunch with Jim and Aaron looks like, if you want to look know what, what, what these quips look like. or What we look like. What we look like. Yeah, you can look at our, yeah. uh, uh, well, half of us ugly, half of us pretty mugs uh, on baldmoves.com. You're selling yourself short. Sell myself tall and fat and hairy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm selling myself accurate and balding and, and solidly middle aged. How about that? Uh, Fine. You can you can go to ball, you can go to support that Click out the link. Select uh, a trial period and get a free 30 day course. We're, we're sneaky. We're getting your credit card, and if you don't remember to cancel in 30 days, we got you. We're getting we your parents' got, credit card. We know you're going to be too procrastination and too lazy to fix it, and we'll just we'll, just, we'll have you for five years before you know it, and you'll be like, God damn. God damn, these guys conned me at this 30-day free free trial. But that's the way this stuff works. You can get a free trial. You can da- download all our content, suck it dry, cancel mm-hmm. it the next day. I don't care. I just want to. Like how you used to do with porn sites back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You get the free month trial, download all five years of all the yep. content, and then leave them high and dry. Uh, and then forget that you got bald move until your, your, your spouse or your mother angrily confronts you with the information. <laughs> what is this? I don't. I can't think of it. I've never paid for porn, so I can't think of a good website. Yeah. And I know a lot of people never paid for podcast. Maybe this will get you in the door. Uh, but check it out at support.ballmove.com because it's you know all fun and games aside, uh, we could use your support so if you value uh, the coverage we've done on Westworld this year. If you like our independent uh, source of podcasts, uh, we could use your support because that's how we can get uh, all the content that we do to you on a regular basis. So appreciate it in advance. I uh, hope you guys take advantage of the free trial, and thanks for your consideration. All right. Uh, we have a, a bit of feedback. Uh, we'll see if we can we can get through it here. Uh, Westworld of BaldMove.com. Uh, first, Kevin H., uh, he was the composer uh, that wrote in last week to talk about the well-tempered, uh, the, the, the meaning behind the well-tempered clavier, and we yeah. both asked questions, and he was gracious enough to answer. Uh, so strap in for a little bit more music theory. Kevin H. said, Aaron asked in the podcast if there was something to the use of equal temperament, well-tempered, and the ability to play in all major and minor keys. Since I was all about finding parallels in this episode, you can make a case that the ability to perform in any key through equal temperament is analogous to Dr. Ford's ability to reassign the host to any narrative or role he sees fit. 
The parallel takes on new depths considering the emotional argument behind the issues of musical temperament. Instruments tuned with just temperament could play exceptionally in tune for one key because the pitches were tuned in relation to each other to make that one key sound great. Good for two, okay for two or more, and that was about it. To avoid having to create multiple instruments with different tunings, most composers just wrote to the same five keys. The trade-off is that those keys sound incredibly sonorous while the others were shrill and discordant compared to equal-tempered instruments which were key, each key sounded uniformly good, but none as great as the home key of a just-tempered instrument. Maeve, this is all over my musical head. So he, he brings it back to Westworld. <laughs> okay. Maeve being the perfect example, she may feel joy and happiness as the madam of the Mariposa Saloon, but she continually flashes back to her memories with her daughter. These mem- that these memories are both manufactured as immaterial as the kernel of this argument is Maeve's emotional state of mind regressing. Uh, Jim wanted to ask about dissonance and the duality of Ford as a character. As a composer, dissonance is my bread and butter. Um, in Baroque music, there was plenty of dissonance to be found in what's called a suspension. In a suspension, mm-hmm. two pitches are played that sound dissonant together. One of the two pitches moves down by step while the other remains on the same pitch, creating a new consonance from the original dissonance. It's <laughs> often found in lockstep with sequences in Baroque music, creating and subsequently collapsing pockets of tension within larger texture. This repeated building and release of tension and suspensions is paralleled with Bernard's repeated realizations that he is a host, and that as a host, his intentions do not seem to line up with Dr. Ford's. Followed by Ford taking control and leaving, relieving the tension by erasing and rolling back Bernard, only for him to do it again later. And this is he sent this before this final episode. I would say... It all dovetails into, you know, they, they come together in this, uh, what did he call it, uh, consonants. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out Bernard or Arnold and Dr. Ford are on the same page after all. Right. So really good musical analysis uh, there, Keith, and I appreciate Or I'm sorry, Kevin, I appreciate that. Uh, Peter C. wants to talk about multiple things. Identity. Ford talks about how people live their lives in loops, drawing a parallel between humans and hosts. Experiences as cornerstones that we often go back to in self-identity. Do you feel that this is true? I think I said on an earlier podcast, not really. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, because we're conscious beings, I don't think that... So when you... I I don't think a lot of people... Certainly it's not true of everyone, and that's the claim that Ford was essentially making, Hmm. is that the consciousness is no different, or we're not conscious because we live in these loops. But when he says that, like, experiences as cornerstones that we go back to in self-identity... Oh, I believe that, but I don't... Yeah, Isn't I don't... that a loop? Because when you are confronted with a decision, aren't you essentially in your head saying, what would Jim do in this situation? And to uh-huh. answer that question, you reflect back on your experiences that inform your worldview, that inform your moral and ethical inputs that then go into that choice. Sure, but your cornerstone memories change. You as a person change. Certainly, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you can you can absolutely change who you are. I mean, people do it every I single day. I agree that, but that, that, that so I wouldn't say that the cornerstones change. I'd say that you develop more cornerstones that then bring the others into balance. Like, you know. Well, I mean, it I guess it depends on how you define a cornerstone memory because right. the cornerstone memory as defined in the show is the one memory okay. that overrides them all, right? Okay, I, I agree with that, that 
that if, in humans we can have like you know say you piss your pants in second grade you're the fucking pants pisser for yeah. a long time until you realize hopefully as an adult that you're more than just that and you have a new corner store experience that gives you some kind of confidence <laughs> right. or some maybe some people get stuck in the piss pants cycle I don't sure. know sure yeah but like that's you know like if if that's if that's all you can reflect to every time you make a decision is oh my god that time I pissed my pants in second grade because I was afraid to ask the teacher to use the bathroom then. Yeah, you'd, you'd be you'd be exactly like a robot. <laughs> sure. Uh, on human nature, good versus bad, duality of Ford and Arnold, duality of William and Logan, duality of good versus evil, uh, and how the park became a place where people simply want to kill and fuck. Do you think this is what would happen in real life? No, for I think for a lot of people, yeah. I think the internet is an uncomfortable display of what this would be like. Like... Yes, there's been mm-hmm. great things that have, have uh, that have happened on internet, but when you see the way people interact with each other in virtual spaces, it's often not pretty at all. Right. And it's ugly and coarse and crude. So, I I don't know. I think that I'm not sure if it would be all just rape and murder and pillage all the time and surely there'd be some people playing white white hat. Yeah. But I don't know. It seems like anonymity and the freedom of consequences equals people playing around with their base, baser natures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a certain amount of people would definitely go full-on villain. Uh, what makes people human? Is it memory? Is it consciousness? What is consciousness? Um, I don't necessarily want to ask that question, but these are some... these. I, I took this email up front because this is kind of the stuff I'd like to discuss and see what other people think of um, for the wrap-up podcast. Yeah. Because I think it's appropriate that now that we've seen, got the full season under our belt to kind of wrestle with some of these big big pictures uh, questions before we go to season two mm-hmm. uh ike wants to talk about dolores and says i may have missed it but i don't think so how come we've never discussed her name and how it relates to her role instead of being spelled dolores her name uh with with a d-e-l her name is spelled with a second o d-o-l-o-r-e-s in spanish dolores literally translates to pain but idiomatically can also be interpreted as sorrows um, that's true in English too. Dolores also can mean down in the dumps with all the discussion of what is her role and what does Ford want of her. If she killed Arnold, does she just want to punish? Does he just want to punish her over and over? And the man in black statements about every winner needs a loser. Is this indicator just too bald faced? Um, so <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It given, does given the choice she has to make at the end and, and what Ford says about consciousness. If you go down this path of Dolores, um, what does this say about Felix? Because I know we talked about Felix and Sylvester both being cat names. That Felix also means literally happiness in this same kind of you know name analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like good things are going to happen to Felix in season two. Like he's going to be on the right side of robot history when the new so, robot yeah. overlords come. So just as just as um, Dolores had to suffer to attain consciousness. Maybe Felix had to join the rebellion to get his inner joy and to get his inner freedom. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think... If you further Is he going to be their pet? I don't know, because if you further that analysis, think of him at his most happiness right. is when he first kind of created life. He helped life occur when he brought that, ro- that robot bird back to life. I, I think that says something about his character, and I, that's why I feel like he's got good things coming to him. Uh, Caitlin T says, for all the answers we got, there's still some questions unresolved. These are things I want to talk about coming up in the the wrap-up podcast. What really happened to Elsie? Where is her body? Uh, Two, who is Ford building a host What do you mean what really happened to Elsie? Didn't we get a pretty clear picture of what happened to Elsie? 
Uh, Where is her body, I think, is a fair question, but uh, I think she's done. She's dead. All right. Who was Ford building a host of? Three, what happened to the other Hemsworth? Uh, <laughs> she's speaking of stubs. Yep. Four, what happened to Abernathy? Is he coming out of the woods with the other cold storage hosts? Five, what happened to Logan? That's We didn't really talk about that. Yeah. Um, Chin and Robinson think that he's dead. I don't think that he's dead. I don't uh, see how if someone, okay. this guy dies in the park and he comes out and tells his father, yeah, your son died in Westworld. I want to own your company. Oh, they think he died in Westworld? Yeah, like that William sent him off to, to die of exposure in, in Westworld. So, I mean, that belies his his narrative that he's constructing here, which is your your father is going to actually think I'm the better fit for the company because if logan's not making it out of the park what does that matter yeah no i i think yeah you just going to go outside he's just essentially telling you the playbook like you are reckless you are impetuous and you're stupid and i'm smarter and stronger than you and i'm just going to i'm going to wrestle this company from you and also you're well, naked actually, hmm. you're naked and tied up and i'm slapping i'm you know i'm i'm i've i've turned it i'm going to turn the tables in the real world just the way i've turned the tables on you in this world right that's the impression i got from that conversation yeah I mean, I don't know. Like, I hate to go against Joanna because she's been right and I've been wrong every fucking <laughs> point of the season. So yeah. it's with great hazard that I say I don't agree with her analysis, but I don't agree with her analysis. Can we talk real quickly about that scene? Because that was one of the things that I felt was shortcutted to the point of near absurdity. Like yeah. this idea that he could just walk out of this park and somehow usurp power from the man's son. Like. I know Logan is a shit and he's impetuous and he's, uh, you know, prone to to craziness, uh, rash actions. But you have a lot of hill to climb here once you get out of the park. But the first step is recognizing the game and how to play it. And right. I think that's what he's going to take to the out. He's, he's not saying I'm going to do I'm going to come out of Westworld and be like, I'm marrying your daughter and I'm taking your company, old man. It's this is probably going to be something that takes like years, right? But and I but guess he's right. been riding his horse and thinking about this. And if his if his if his this man like think about his like um, the type of guy that would create a man like Logan, mm-hmm. you know what's Logan going to do? Like oh he tied me up and treated me like you know uh, he essentially bullied me inside his amusement park like. How much can he tell his old man about this story and not seem like this sniveling little brat? Right. So it's like, it, I, I just feel like there's very little good looks that he can take away from this. And I, you're right, it is shortchanged, but I guess if I squint, I can see William coming out of this park with a new, brand new plan about how to take control of his life and, and this company. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, well, I mean, I think a lot of people are just assuming that Ed Harris and, and uh, Jimmy Simpson are, are done. I don't know that that's necessarily true. There's still some character well, beats they could they could hit there that, that illuminate the situation a little bit so more. So Jimmy Simpson has said he's not coming back. Oh, really? Like, they asked him, are you coming back for season two? He flat out said no. But that might be because he's not sure yet. Or because they haven't told him that exactly. he's coming back. Yeah. And also... Not because he's definitely not. But... Also fucking Kit Harrington. I've seen actors lie and service well, the plot again so, and again and again. Okay, so. that's the other thing I read in an interview mm. somewhere is that when that he figured out this MIB is William, like episode two as uh-huh. well, like his one of his first days on set, he goes into the makeup department and they're looking at him. They're saying, 
do you mind if we like pluck your eyebrows to make them a little more arched? And he's like, hmm, why would they be doing that? Who do I look like most? And he went up to, Cause they, to Joy and said, am I supposed to be Ed Harris? And she was like, I, I can't say anything. I thought it was in the interview. They, I didn't see that interview. That's interesting. Yeah. Because they did reveal that the only actor they told the whole story to is Anthony Hopkins. Okay, cool. Which makes sense because he is yeah, the he's one. The he's the godfather that knows everything and is playing this highly advanced game of chess. And everyone right. else was kind of in, in the dark, including us and the hosts. So I thought that was kind of neat. I had no idea that Jimmy had figured that out. That speaks well of his intelligence. For sure. But the point I was getting his, to his is... His bulk apperception <laughs> must be like 1920. Nah, he never put a Jimmy Simpson at 20. <laughs> That's a rule. Uh, but the point I was getting to is he was on Twitter and he was answering every question except the man in black questions yeah. that was coming in and interacting with the fans. Uh, and he eventually was like, they're going to notice that I'm not the answering of any of these right. questions. What should I do? And they told him... You can you can be coy, you can respond, but don't lie. Mm. So I don't think they would actually encourage anybody to lie, and I don't think they would lie themselves about it. Maybe that's the difference from other showrunners, and maybe that itself is a lie. I don't know, but that's the information I have. Say what you will about his bulk app perception. His milk app perception has <laughs> got to be like 30. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least. Uh other question. I forgot. We were, we were breaking out Caitlin's list. Uh, did Maeve choose to leave the train, or was that part of her programmed escape storyline? My opinion is that she, cho- she that was a choice she made. We saw her code. It says... We saw the choices she was supposed to make. It says, go to the mainland. She did yeah. not go to the mainland. She chose, even though her everything in her body screamed that I should, I should not care about this fake relationship I have with the daughter, that's a choice that she made. Yeah. Uh, what do we do between now and 2018? We wait. Leftovers comes back in the spring. There's I'm excited leftovers, for that. There's yeah, Game April coming back. Game of Thrones, Fargo probably. Better Call Saul, all great bald move podcast. Yeah, House of Cards. The the fucking train wreck. The House of Cards is gonna. Uh, man, what must that see after this political season? Oh, what could God. they possibly come up with? I can't wait to be. Yeah, right. Um, and also the other thing I have is what was the Dallas Corporation's long range plans for the park? That's the other big question that I still, which we've sort of discussed, but not sort of really. discussed. But yeah, that's the yeah. other thing that's on the docket. Uh, Ben T from the UK says one other thing to discuss is the idea of who they might want to recruit acting wise for next season. Yeah. We talked about this up front, but I, I, this is another thing I'd like to talk about in the wrap up podcast. Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I'm just going to turn it into a true detective <laughs> in samurai world. <laughs> right. Uh, so you've got these. That world... would clearly be Tom Cruise. Clearly, <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's the this is the last Samurai World, right? <laughs> uh, you got Anthony Hopkins, got Ed Harris, these two titans. Uh, unlikely, the but his on his dream team would be uh, Harrison Ford, Tom Hardy, <sighs> Jeff Bridges, Judy Dench, Helen Mirren. Wow. Okay. Sean Bean in Medieval World, of course. Uh huh. Um, he says more likely would be Ken Watanabe. Especially yep. if the samurai world comes to pass, because you know he's typecast as right. that kind of guy. Uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett, because he's a great young actor, and he's got that uh, history with the Nolan angle. True. Uh, and Jeff Daniels also. Um, I don't. He threw that in because I guess he's got the HBO relationship. <laughs> I like I said, Ralph Fiennes. I had this idea of him playing like a robot version of Doctor Ford. Uh, I thought that's great, but I haven't really thought. I, I'm not good at these casting games, honestly. I've, I've got the perfect new Lee. Who? Nicolas Cage. 
Nick Cage. If he was just getting shit on the whole series. Yeah, the thing is, Nick Cage, like, everyone talks about how crazy, but he also, he's got some legit chops. He does. He's, he's got he some legit can chops. can act, yeah. Um, uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah. You can bring him to replace Anthony he's, Hopkins, and I'd believe it. He's pri- and what would be nice symmetry about that is like you know fa- famously but unconfirmed. Anthony Hopkins wrote this like kind of gushing letter to him after he watched Breaking Bad, and he said to, to address it to Brian Cranston and yeah. just said how what how blown away he was by this performance and this role and the series as a whole and what craftsmanship and passion and just just went on and on and like that must like if you're Brian Cranston and you get that letter. From Anthony fucking Hopkins, yeah, crazy. Must be pretty sweet, but like, I it'd be cool to like pass that torch on. That would be kind of neat. Uh, but if people want to talk about casting for next season, I, I'm uh, happy to entertain that. All right. uh, Matt from Philly said, after watching this uh, last episode, I'm wondering if I can keep going with your podcast as much as I love listening to it and reading about Reddit theories. The fact that the biggest twist of the season were all successfully guessed from episode two onward really sucked the fun out of the finale. Uh, while it was awesome, don't get me wrong, to have no idea that the William was the man in black would have made the finale so much better. Uh, at least now I have a good jump-off point to not spoil season two before it's too late. Of course, we hear many theories and when we watch a show like Game of Thrones, but in the case of Thrones, many ideas of what could happen can be supported, whereas this show doesn't have the amount of characters or magic needed to keep everything on the table. What do you say to a person that is considering the wisdom of going off of Reddit and podcasts, but, but, and, and just watch it straight up. I mean, do it, do it. What's, what's so bad about that? You don't get to watch it or you don't get to listen every week. You have to wait until the end. It's an all or nothing thing. You have to have an extraordinary amount of discipline to avoid these spoilers when they're going to be coming at you on Facebook. They're going to be coming at you on Twitter. They're going to be coming at you on the front page of Reddit in some cases. Like, sure. To me, it's, the idea that you're going to have a 10-week sabbatical from the majority of the internet is kind of insane. And mm-hmm. I would just try to recontextualize my relationship with spoilers. Because I disagree that the biggest twist, I think these twists were camouflage for the ultimate twist, which is the true intentions of Dr. Ford and what was the maze. Right. You know, uh, those still seem like worthy surprises and handled very, very gracefully. So I agree. Like the first 30 minutes of this episode were essentially review for a great many of us. Did that ruin the whole season? I don't know. But if you feel like it did, you know, get off the internet, uh, block all your friends on Facebook. I would go so far as not even watch the show on a week by week basis. Let that thing queue up on HBO go and then fucking marathon the whole thing. And then then read the analysis and the post articles and listen to podcasts if you want. But like, I'm you know I can't tell you what's the, the right way to enjoy this thing. I, I just want to say that it's going to be very very hard. And what do you do if you get to week eight and you're unspoiled and then you're checking out at fucking Meyer or Walmart and you see an Entertainment Weekly that has Ed Harris, you know. Kissing Anthony Hopkins, I, I mean, I yeah. you know, Buck it's naked like, on a horse. What, what, what do you do when when West despite Rose. your best e- uh, efforts, that comes to pass? Uh huh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's certainly an interesting challenge in the digital age. Uh, Jeremy H says, "Why did William slash the Man in Black have to be such a huge asshole to Dolores? I get it in the park that it changed him. I mean, obviously we see what he does to all the hosts just to find Dolores. And at one point, even Logan was like, whoa, man, too far, which for Logan is pretty shocking. We didn't talk about this. I thought that was a little much. 
why would Logan be like, oh, my God, you cut a man's neck? Like, yeah, that didn't seem to fit in the, the you know, especially at this point, he's seen his newly minted brother-in-law kill dozens and dozens of hosts. And this is a man who was, who was sitting at a table having dinner and was going to shoot somebody in the head brains out just, just to see cause. if they're a host. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. That was, was, was going to rape a woman in front of his brother-in-law just to prove a point. Like, yeah. I, I thought that's like, come on, this is Logan. Yep. Um, but then when he's with Dolores, now as the man in black, he's kicking her and hitting her. And she even, even as she remembers him, I just wanted him for even a second to have a moment, like a small William moment to give me something of the man he used to be. He feels like just two characters instead of one person who's been through all these things and then becomes this other dark person. What do you guys think? So that's an interesting idea, and I think it's a fair criticism of splitting these two timelines up so severely because you really you couldn't show his evolution because if you did, you would immediately know this is the same person. Yes. Like, how do you de-age the man in black sufficiently that we wouldn't recognize he's Jimmy Simpson? And I also think that that's, that's the other standing objection to de-aging Anthony Hopkins digitally is... You've, sure. You're speaking two languages in the same fucking show and acting like it's the same language. But I, I do think... I think that's a bit of a cheat too far. The me. claim that this feels more like two characters than one character's evolution is uh-huh. right on. Okay. And th- and that's why some of this just didn't feel super satisfying, yeah. as, as well as, you know, spoilers. And I I'm, might go so far to say that maybe more of this will make sense in season two because I still think that the idea of um, him kind of doing this because he still genuinely loved Dolores might have been a better angle. Because it's the same story. Right, but how do you tell that without giving away who he is? Just at the end, instead of having him brutalize her, say, we need to get to the maze, damn it. We have... You got the same him realizing that the maze wasn't a physical thing. You still have him come to appreciate at the end that him and Dr. Ford were on the same side. It's the same payoff, except for he's not just a complete irredeemable monster. Sure. On the other hand, I can see how him flushing his whole real life down the toilet emotionally to invest in his park and his Dolores would, and and his wife committing suicide and his daughter rejecting him would, would turn you bitter. I mean, that's why he's so angry and that's why he's hitting Dolores. He wants to get to the maze. It's really weird. I've got this Schrodinger's, Ed Harris, where I can see both versions of his character simultaneously, yeah. and I feel like I opened the box. And, oh, I got the asshole version. Okay, I, I can't fault it. You know, uh-huh. cat's dead, not alive. Yo, them's the breaks. But I totally get what you're saying there, Jeremy, about the the whiplash. Um, but I do think it was earned, either way. Uh, Vincent B. Looking back to pilot when Stubbs and Bernard go down to cold storage, Stubbs says that cold storage has been malfunctioning. Now, after seeing the finale, do you think it was in fact malfunctioning, or was Dr. Ford the one who sabotaged it so the host could warm up, so to speak, and be ready for the big attack? Seems like it. I mean, the first time we see him, he's down there. Yup. I mean, he wasn't just unfreezing it so that he could talk to Bill, or whatever his name was. Uh, Another minor character note, Stubbs was always the one who was gung-ho about being cautious around these bots and, and going out strapped and having a full response team. I wonder how some of the security, like what maybe Ford automated, maybe not, but the fact that Stubbs was sidelined, mm-hmm. we're to understand that whoever the B team is is not nearly as on the ball and skeptical and afraid of these machines on a just theoretical basis as he was. Sure. I mean, I buy that, but as 
you know, someone who was a director of IT at one point, uh-huh. you plan for your inevitable absence as much as you can, right? Sure. So maybe, maybe, just maybe drill these people, maybe have some protocols in place for what happens. Yeah, yeah, you know. totally. Yeah, <laughs> if, 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 if you go missing, you don't want your second command to be like a bot-loving, host-hugging, <laughs> right. you know, daisy And you passing. don't want the servers not to be somewhat automated in what they do. Sure. I mean, I don't know. William from New Jersey said, I really enjoyed the season finale, and I've been thinking about how twisted and evil Ford's plan truly was. In his mission to make amends with Arnold, he subjects the host to new heights of personal suffering as a means to awaken their consciousness. Plus, he sacrifices the lives of the Delos board, with the exception of perhaps William, uh, who are completely unaware of the host's emerging consciousness, thanks in large part to Ford's own efforts to cover up the evidence of their evolution. Ford is still setting a, settling a personal grudge with the board and using the host as a tool. For all his audience knows, the board is unaware of the changes of the hosts, yet it seems to me like we are meant to feel that they are oppressors when they are gunned down. I looked at them as simply ignorant of the true impact the park has on the emerging AI. Ultimately, I think the finale suggests that Ford holds to what he told Bernard about the difference between humans and hosts. Their individual lives are equally as worthless to him. It's only the larger goal of rectifying his mistakes with Arnold that matters. Here's the thing I think you have to keep in mind is what Bernard, what what Ford has been trying to tell Bernard, which is you in some ways will be your own worst enemy if you go running and screaming about this, because what will the board do? And it has been set up in the show that the board would be willing to, quote unquote, simplify them or mm-hmm. roll them back. Mm-hmm. And while I don't agree that Ford's actions with necessarily with the bots are unethical like causing them more pain more suffering to bring them to this conscious yeah. conscious point doctors create cause immense pain all the time in the efforts of saving lives and, and right. promoting life so it's, it's not inherently it's the in sometimes justify unethical. the means right uh, but i i also think he if we're to believe that the board is evil and that seems to be his opinion and that they would just snap their fingers and roll everything back and kill this budding consciousness. Right. Then they are oppressors. I sure. mean, there's no there's no way around it, especially now that they are actually becoming sentient, right? And let's let's also say it's postulate that Ford probably knows the bigger plan that the the board is doing. And let's say that that is replacing world leaders with robots that they can manipulate. That's pretty sure. fucking evil. Yeah, yeah. So if that's what's made him, maybe it's not the raping and murdering so much as like what these what this board wants to do with this technology that's made him a nihilist about humanity. Those are things we don't know yet, and it's right. So I'm not going to judge him and say he's a. I'm not going to say he's a saint. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say he's a monster. I'm going to say he's a liberator of a burgeoning people. Right. And those are a lot of time. I mean, look at Fidel Castro, the two narratives about that guy. Like, you know, uh-huh. he's the liberator of Cuba and the greatest things. And so he's a fucking guy that's a brutal dictator that murdered dissonance. And, you know, right. Maybe he's both. Um, I, I think there's room to tell that story about Dr. Ford. And we don't even have all the information that he has about the board and the company that he could have used in his calculations. Yeah. And I mean, by by her own admission, Charlotte, who is part of the board and has the board on her side uh-huh. uh, unanimously, as it is made clear, right, is willing to make these simplifications to roll everything back. So, but she, I don't. Depending on where, what state you think the hosts are in, as far as consciousness goes, 
then you you make your own determination, I guess, on whether or not they are oppressors. I come down on the oppressor side. Well, but they do they know? That's the thing. Like if you say, let this guy gets his petri sure. dish, and I'm going to zap it because it's just bacteria. Right. If it turns out those bacteria somehow had formed a collective consciousness, and you did that without knowing it, you you know you did you definitely yeah, did and an I evil agree thing, with you. But but you're kind of blameless as far as intent, which carries a lot of legal weight. Certainly. Certainly. So I think Ford is kind of an asshole. Like like he, uh, the emailer here, uh, like William said, like the board's making decisions based on the information that Ford himself is is muddying. Mm-hmm. So like, how can you call them oppressors if they don't even know that they have consciousness humanity? Now maybe, like I said, he knows a lot more about the situation than we do. I'm sure right. that's going to be a topic of future seasons. So, and I'd like to know how much they knew about Arnold. You know, yeah. how much of, of what Arnold did and Dolores did, did they understand? And that's another big thing. Like, it still seems pretty stupid to make a Ber- a Bernard robot that looks exactly like Arnold. Sure. Like, no, I, I, that still yeah. seems hard to it's believe that no one would be aware of that. that no one would be aware. Yeah. So and they, I don't care if this guy's a recluse or not. Like, they're developing some of the most sophisticated technology on the planet. Wired would be in there hounding them someone for Someone made an analogy articles, of, like, like, imagine... That, you know, this happened with Steve Jobs and Wozniak, right? Sure. Like, 30 years, like, and say Steve, like, so Steve Jobs murdered Wozniak, Hmm. and then 20 years later recreated an identical Wozniak from the 80s. Yeah. Maybe not everybody, but there's a lot of people on the planet to be like, hey, wait a minute. Uh Uh-huh. And how the hell is this? How the hell is these scientists that are on the forefront of human, or I'm sorry, artificial intelligence, not at, at, at least well known? Like, yeah, maybe they don't have full scrutiny of a board of directors, and mm-hmm. but but somebody. I mean, the interviews alone. I, I mean, just there's a picture uh, of him on his fucking desk, right? I I can't even fathom how that's that's allowed to be in the show. Frankly, yeah. Like, he should have made him look different. I didn't... Yeah, I... So easily solved. And that solves his problem with keeping him and Dolores apart. Sure. Like, he doesn't need to do that if they don't look alike. Well, I think the, him keeping apart was more about their simpatico and just kind of their ten, the way they... You know, he made a... Yeah, I... Th- this is a... I mean, it's not a big problem. It's not something I can overlook, but it is something that it seems like... I don't know why they they it's went easily down, fixable. Yeah, I don't know why they went down this. I um, other than they really like, uh, you know, Mister Wright and his work, which fair enough, he's amazing. Well, and they want to use him in both generations, and also they wanted to play fast and loose with the time periods, and that yep. allowed them to do it. Otherwise, you're right, that wouldn't have worked. You're right, it would have been the old switcheroo. Whoops, yeah. this this old. Uh, Decrepit white guy is actually Arnold, but you know, but Arnold never, was Jeffrey Wright in the past. Like, I, I still reject that because you had you had Stubbs interviewing her, you had Anthony Hopkins interviewing her, you had like there was enough people in there messing with the Dolores pot that one more person would have been like, okay, like, would you have batted an eye if if they had done some of these scenes of her? No, and- but they specifically wanted to do these camera switcheroos, right? Where in one scene you're in this time oh, period, yeah, sure, in the other sure. scene you're in the other time period, and you don't know which is which. Yeah. And they got a little too tricky with that, and it just, yeah, Arnold looking the same as Bernard doesn't do it for me. Yeah. 
let's see. Kate B says, uh, for the other worlds, such as Samurai World, how do you think this practically works? I'm very interested in the Samurai World and Reddit tales of Rome and medieval world from the films. I'm pretty sweet. Uh, my husband and I are pretty good shots, and we feel we can make it in Westworld. However, real swords are very heavy, and I would dare to say that the average 25 to 55-year-old guest is not in proper athletic shape and does not have the bladed weapon skills to thrive in Samurai World. Do you think it could be realistic and fun? I got a better question. How the hell do you keep a sword from cutting a, a guest? Right. Like, you can have sim munitions. What, what's a sim sword that's going to realistically cut through flesh and bone yeah. but not do it on a host? <laughs> I don't know. Like some kind of nano blade that instantly dulls when it's being used against a per- Oh, I just answered my fucking question. There you go. Disintegrates. Boom. I am available yep. for cons- professional consultation, Joy and Nolan. And come at me. Nerf technology, 2052. But no, you're, the degree of skill and sophistication to go into Samurai World is probably orders of magnitude above the Westworld experience. Maybe that's for veterans. Like Westworld's a okay. train, you know. You and, graduate and, to Like when you're bored of Japan gunslinging, you, and then you strap on the, the katana. Can we uh, talk about one other thing that bugs me? Sure. It's the time period. The, apparently this takes place in 2052, according to some stuff on Delos Incorporated. Okay, the website. Some, some footage, security footage. Right. How is that possible? It's in what world? In the, in the same world that we go to have a moon base in 2001. I mean, I mean that puts us at 2017 fiction. for the beginning of this part. Yeah, well, Skynet took over like 10 years ago. I don't know if you noticed. But like, why, this, why as a creator, would you put it in such why, near future? Why do that, they always do that, though? I don't know. Like, like that's the thing. We have enough science fiction history to know that. Yes, we there's, do. There's, they should not do it. Yeah, like I was shocked when I saw that. I thought we were like 100 years into the future. E- easily, yeah. But, you know, it's not, I think it's not just, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to defend it. I could, but <laughs> whatever. Um, I think Old West is popular enough. This is returning to Kate's email. I think the Old West is popular enough in modern Western culture and is still recent enough that we have an idea of how people spoke and acted. But do you think you could have a samurai world without devolving into just whitewashed versions of ethnic stereotypes? No. Samurai? No, probably just, not. Just like I'm sure I mean, people are super offensive to Native American culture in Westworld because you might know oh, how yeah. a cowboy is supposed to act, but if you go to cowboys and Indians, like, yeah. my God, it's probably a shit show. You go into Japanese culture from, like, the Edo period, hell no, no one's going to know how to act. It's going to be a whole bunch right. of dime store geisha bullshit. Mm-hmm. But no one really – I mean – I kind of want to be offended by that, but when the baseline behavior is murdering and killing the host, are they really going to be, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like like offended by people like doing the slanty eyes and the racial stereotypes? Like, I mean, they, they should probably program the bots to be offended by that. Yeah, yeah, that would be a way to end it real quick. Is like uh-huh. they fucking get like you know, start start screaming round eye at you and draw their blades and you yeah, know, throw you in jail for being a fuck fuckwit, <laughs> right? Uh, anyway, good point, though. Uh, you, they, they should have a sub-Saharan African world where you can immerse oh, yourself Jesus. into the culture of the Zulu warriors. You can really, really get fucking ignorant and offensive with it. Oh, yeah. Um, Eskimo world, where the name itself is offensive. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Colin B. says, note the use of safety coffins in a church graveyard, all the crosses of bells with str- strings into the grave. We talked about this. Yep. Uh, but I just want to give him full credit for the idea of um, the implication of many of the characters are buried alive, literally trapped in the coffins of their minds. Uh, Bernard's not really dead, after all. He's just waiting for someone to revive him. Dolores' own self is buried, but calling to her. The same with Teddy. 
made for a very slick piece of Miss Unseen, and I totally agree. And I I got a little bit of that, but Colin uh, illuminated the rest. Last one, Dave B. The coolest thing about Westworld is we find out in season the season finale that we are the fly that Dolores swats at the end of episode one. Uh, I like that bit of analysis. We do? She's going to swat us? I think so. God Isn't that what she it. did? I don't want to be swatted. Well, you know, you shouldn't have fucking raped that uh, robot, Jim. I told you. I, I told I you. Think you're it was raging conscious. robust. <laughs> your, your, your defiant robust history would bite you in the ass. And here I'm the Felix of the crew. You were right. I probably get caught up in the bloodshed. You know, yep. it's like you want this guy, not me. Listen to our <laughs> podcast. I have the one. I love robots. I want to fall in love with a robot. <laughs> That's my dream. I can't be a robust. I'm married to a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a harsh robust. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, final, you're going to get one last crack at us before we ride off into the sunset um, and join Westworld back again in 2018. Again, we got a lot of stuff coming down the uh, pike. Uh, finishing up Walking Dead and the the second half of the season of February. Better Call Saul, Leftovers, Fargo, Game of Thrones. I'm dizzy just thinking about it all. Mm-hmm. That's all at baldmove.com. But we got one more episode for Westworld. Send the email to westworld at baldmove.com or jump on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Now I got light spoilers, not light spoilers, pretty big spoilers that are revealed in the ARG for season two. If you don't want to hear them, you don't want to see what they've what they dug out of this website, then then leave now uh, because I'm about to talk about it. I think I've given you sufficient warning. Here are the results of the ARG game. So right after the finale, there was, a, I think, a new website called DelosIncorporated.com. Oh, was it new? Maybe it's Maybe. not, because I think it was always Discover Westworld. Um, anyway, it's talking about there being a security breach, and there was an administrative login. If you put in the password Reverie, mm. you then unlock two video files. One was a schematic of Elsie's, I guess, identification or tablet being found inside the park. The second was a file where you heard like a heavily garbled, distorted version of Elsie saying essentially hello. Like, you know, she was on a phone or she's in some kind of rig. Huh. Okay. So the implication here being that number one, Elsie could be still alive. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I, I question why would Dr. Ford lie to Bernard before he's about to wipe him about whether he killed another person or not. And if, if, and now that we know that they're on the same side, this could read as literally you haven't ever done this before, which means that he stashed Elsie somewhere and put her out of commission because she's smart enough that she could have fucked up his plan. Same with Stubbs. And same with Stubbs. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, Maybe Bernard did kill her. They are remaking an Elsie bot in these laboratory, and and Bernard and Elsie will be the ones that take over from Ford um, and assume control of the park um, and have the shadow kind of government that's running Westworld. Um, I like. I mean, honestly, I like the theory that she's still alive, and you know that that, that Bernard didn't have to kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do with her in a new season two? I don't know. Yeah, once the hosts take over. Right. Now, also, uh, Lisa Joy and, and uh, Jonathan Nolan are sticking to their story that that body that's being built in Ford's lab was just there for ambiance. <laughs> I don't fucking believe it, but if they're being true to their word, then El- that's more evidence that Elsie 
certainly is not being constructed as a robot and that that therefore with this evidence must mean that she's going to be alive probably playing a major role in season two yeah i don't know i mean i'm prepared to just strap in and wait yeah and see see how all of this goes i mean i do want to discuss you know a lot of the theories um i'm, I'm curious podcast, about why but... they've wanted to hit this with the arg yeah um, I know that like one of the big facets of the discussion or one of the dissatisfactions that Joanna Robinson had with the season of Westworld is that Stubbs and Elsie felt like those characters just got dropped. And she cited that as evidence right. of more retooling during the shutdown where they did a lot of refactoring. I don't feel that way. I feel like these guys were shelved for season two material going forward. And now that we got the spoiler, like I'm, I'm very confident that they're not these characters weren't dropped or well, they definitely were sidelined, but they weren't dropped so much as just put in this cold storage so they can be brought back for some kind of stuff going on in season two. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, I will agree with Joanna though, that if they don't come back, yeah, I feel huge missed opportunity. I I agree with her, especially since Elsie, uh, might've been my a one breakout, uh, instead of armistice, if she had a full season developed, because I really dug her character. Me too. Yeah. Stubbs, you know, Stubbs is just he's the lesser Hemsworth. What do you want to say? I like, know. He, he he might have more things to do in the new season. I do feel like that he is the the security chief that Westworld needed. Yeah. You know. He's the wharf he, to replace Tasha Yar. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's like 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 it's like Odo got sidelined during invasion and Quark had to step in. <laughs> right. You know, and Nog is the response team. He's going to get uh, gunned down right away. Uh, you needed you needed the 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 lesser of the Hemsworth. He's the one that can that can can steer the ship in that time of crisis. The older, like like yeah, he's not the most conventionally handsome. He's not the sure. more accomplished. But he's the older, wiser, steady hand that you needed. You don't need Chris in there. You don't need the, the Liam. You need you need the 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 older one. <laughs> I don't even know his name. <laughs> All right. It's Billy. Billy Hemsworth. Billy Hemsworth. <laughs> Billy Lee Hemsworth. Uh, that's all we got. Westworld at BaldMove.com if you want to uh, uh, speculate on any of that spoiler stuff. Be sensitive to everybody in the forums. Including uh, mis- poor Mr. Hemsworth. Including poor Mr. Hemsworth. With, we with... call him Mr. because he's the oldest. <laughs> no, Luke. <laughs> Luke's his name. Is it Luke I Hemsworth? I think so. Luke Hemsworth, yeah. But yeah, be sensitive to Mr. Hemsworth and everybody <laughs> else in the forums because not everybody are, is partaking to ARG, so don't be like, oh my God, Elsie's still alive, according to ARG and the subject line. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see you next week with the wrap-up podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.